Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Bastards podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how a solar flare cannot stop us. That's right, bitches. We yeah, not AT&T. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my name is Michael Basinger. With me are Captain Nugnito himself, Joshua Casey. <laughs> yeah. And the Butcher of Bloomington. That's right. Lucas, I'm back. Lucas Allen. Um, yeah, I had an opening for Matt too, but he fucked off. Yeah, you know, R.I.P. Matt. Fucked up, man. He, he, he yeah. Announcements. Uh, Life finds a way. Meaningless apparel. Yeah. Um, that's people buy some stuff. Not not pastors merch, but you know, non pastors merch. Nice. So, well, that's yeah. what we need. We got to spread it's, the net. Get yeah. you some. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the get some real income. Them them dollars. That's right. <laughs> Yep, this uh, Tubmans. Yes, get them Tubmans. <laughs> Tubmans. What are those? That's when they were gonna, or did they replace Andrew Jackson with Harriet Tubman? Oh, is that is that what on the twenty? Uh, well, they were they were going to, but I don't think then, it ever. I don't happened. think it ever happened with the outcry. Or, yeah, you know, because okay, wow, people suck. But yeah. yeah, I'm not uh, gonna say Jackson's. Some also, get some uh, Tubmans. Uh, update: Skunk season is a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, uh, apparently yeah. the the skunks are uh, it's mating season or spraying season or some sort of season. Thanks for everyone that told me. I I am very <laughs> glad that I am not crazy. Pepe Le Pew they're season. in a rut. Yeah, <laughs> they're rutting. <laughs> um, problematic skunks. The right. old problematic <laughs> skunks. Is that rutting your first for that night? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Wow. <laughs> Problematic Skunks was the band you had before Set Your Stock Go. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, let's, where's, where am I? I don't even know. What are we doing? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. hey. What are you drinking? Hey, hey. Michael just I don't makes know. jokes about being racist. No, it's <laughs> racism is not nice. So it's racism really, it's really not nice. nice. <laughs> I do not support racism. Wait, we have to stop and write that down. Yeah, racist hashtag. <laughs> racism is not nice. That's that's no. what they write on the end zones during <laughs> NFL know, right? games. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! They're like, hey guys, but they fixed it. That's why they. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know what, what we're doing. What are we drinking? Here. Yeah, what are we drinking? Uh, All right, so. Yeah, t- tell us about this. Josh made so a special drink. Earlier slash later, I made us a drink. Um, I used um, spicy tamarind vodka from Smirnoff's, Ooh, which shit. is fucking delicious. Um, did you say Smirnoff's? Uh, yes. Excuse me while Did you I buy it at Kroger's? I did buy it at Kroger's. Okay. Just yeah. Excuse sure. me while I licked the rim. Yeah. And I did a fancy rib job for these boys. Yeah, uh, I did. Using tahini. 
Um, I would not want tahini on my rim. No, you would. Oh, that is tahini. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's so good. Um, and then so it was spicy, spicy tamarind vodka, and then um, lime juice, and then Baja Blast. Yeah. Because why the hell not? <laughs> like I said, I think we're gonna it call it. The, I think the drink is called Long Way Home from the Pot or something like that. Oh, no, I, I thought it was Baja Ass Blaster. Baja. That's Damn right, it. Baja <laughs> Ass Blaster. That's all right. Oh, I'm out um, here. <laughs> Fancy rim job. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm drinking uh, a, a Founders Old Dirty Bastard. Oh, yeah. I'm not drinking anything else. Like, I refuse. You refuse? I'm drinking a Black Dog American Pale Ale. Yeah. Black Dog. Yeah. It's got a Hockeyman from the uh, hockeyman? Indie Fuel <laughs> on the. It's my last <laughs> name. He's, he's That's the most man. Canadian last name I've ever heard. Hockeyman. <laughs> Hockey from, hoser. From hockey, <laughs> hockeyman from Quebec. <laughs> hockeyman. I like the hockeyman. Uh, Lace oh. curling, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. It's oddly. a process. Yeah. Oddly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Sorry, fuck. Hillary. You're not listening. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, I was just doing that. Half point number one. What is your emergency? <laughs> Yes, this is Jesus Christ, and I just broke into the Pizza Hut. I broke the window, and I'm here. Jesus is here now. He's back. He's back to Earth. Uh, I he, sent you guys the, right. the um, and, uh, AI you work there? things, right? About that? No, no he's broken. This is AI. No, the AI images. Oh, I don't know. And what was your name again? I don't think so. My name is Jesus. <laughs> What's your last name, Jesus? No shit. Christ. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay. And what do you look? On this oh, earth. okay. All right, we're, we're back. Sorry. <laughs> I fucked up. So what are you up to? We're going to listen to this whole clip. I don't. I'm from heaven. How'd you get over, over Nothing here? Nothing is fucked, dude. I'm from I'm heaven, heaven, sir. Okay. And did you break a front window? Yeah, I broke the door window, sir. I love and the alarm in the background. It's the yeah. fucking best. Out of Mountain Dew. Out of Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, these... Uh, yo, is that what's that's what the yeah. Oh my god, that's oh, what that was. I fed that into. Yeah. Oh, the, you did into that was yours. Jesus breaking one. into a pizza. Yeah, Jesus breaking into a pizza hut. Wham. Let me let me check the settings since I accidentally <laughs> kicked myself out of the podcast <laughs> okay. and back in. All right, we we're we're good. The settings. Are we good. know how to do this. Yes, we are professionals. There's a real um, outcry in the comments. Yeah, about um, not being there. Yeah, nobody is there. We got one. Watcher. That's That's probably my other tab. (laughs) 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 Oh, (coughs) Uh, what what are we? What's going on, guys? I don't know. Who knows? Um, Oh, I keep trying to hit the the soundboard on the computer, the soundboard (laughs) computer, and not the this thing. So here we go. Uh, Let me turn this down. You're listening to Brightside, Mr. Brightside himself, Joshua Pollan. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. I got to talk through that so we don't get shut off by Indeed. Napster. Yes, <laughs> LimeWire. Prefer <laughs> LimeWire. Um, shut off by Napster. You'll never shut down the real Lars Napster. Ulrich shows up and is like, "You got to stop doing this." I'm mad. <laughs> oh man. Um, I guess was the was the IU Iowa game? Was that just last week? Right? Has yeah. it been yeah. since last Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, last so we Thursday. we went to that and. 
honestly, there was a bit of there was like a bit of me that we almost didn't want to go because we knew it was going to be crazy mm-hmm. and just busy. Probably could have sold your tickets. For we pretty knew well. we could have sold our tickets, and we we're like, man, we probably could have like gone out for a date or something instead. But we decided, Michaela and I went anyway, and it was a fucking blast. Like the place was Damn. packed, and it was louder than than anything any other game I'd heard. Um, yeah. And it was it was just insane. Um, and watching Caitlin Clark, like I. I can. She didn't have a great game, partially because well, we he, had an amazing, like our defense. Was, yes, she didn't was, have a ga- great like, game. Really, because she, she's a bitch. No, <laughs> no. Well, she didn't have a great game, but she also scored twenty points. That in the was first exactly. Half. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a great game for her, it, which is insane. Wow. And then um, like four of the second. But half. what's cool was like, I so I haven't watched much of her other than just like bits and pieces. Um, and so to actually see some of the stuff she was doing, even the stuff that didn't work out going, oh, she's doing that normally. Like she's shooting that from like almost half court because yeah. she normally makes those. Yeah. She made that weird pass because normally those connect. And so like, number one, seeing her do that but the, and seeing the just the vision and stuff of the court, but also then watching our team just fucking dominate yeah. was cool. Like, yeah, was cool. they they dominated they the did. hell and out of Kenzie Holmes, man, she was... <laughs> Man, she, she was she, mad. She was she played piss the whole game, and like the, there was a couple times I'm surprised she didn't get called for. Yeah, taunting she, or whatever. she was definitely taunting. They're she like, was. She was definitely she was like, like scowling up in people's faces, yep. man. Yep, yep, yep. I uh, I love that game. I, I'm a noted uh, Caitlin Clark not fan. Um, I think hater is the word. I she, believe. It, uh, do I hate her? Or are you saying no, I'm a hater? You're a hater. I'm a hater. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say I hate her. Michael Basinger, um, noted hater. Yes. <clears throat> um, not because of, I mean, she's got great abilities, um, but she she rose me the wrong way in terms of LeBron, of just like the whining and yeah. the, the, the begging for calls that, you know, she shouldn't be getting to begin with. Dude, there were a couple times she flat out pushed our people yeah. down. And, and, and flopped. She's yeah. a flopper, too. It, it's just... It's I'm not a fan, and, and because her style of play, that's yeah, what you're saying. If she played in a different uh, conference, I would probably appreciate her more, mm. because but because my team, the yeah. Indiana Hoosiers, um, they have to face her twice, sometimes three times in a year. Mm. Yeah, stand her. It, she's my uh, oh, uh, what's the Christian Leitner? She's my <laughs> Christian Leitner, <laughs> absolutely. Just no, don't like her. So, that's I, awesome. but but that said, like. I recognize she is a formidable force, and she's doing great things mm-hmm. for uh, women's college basketball and women's co- basketball and women's sports. Yeah. And awesome. basketball and, and sports. The basketball yeah, and God. the sports. Well, I mean, it's crazy. Like, she's about ready to, to pass or, or come up close to Pete Maravich's numbers. Dude, fuck Pistol Pete. Which man. is insane. He insane. Was my, yeah. Is that his name? Pistol, Pistol Pete. Pete. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Good yes. job. You did it. Yay. Did we'll you guys teach ever watch you how to that? Be a did you watch one day. that movie? The, uh, the pistol. Uh, I did a long Dude, I loved time ago. That movie had that thing on VHS. Watched it all the time. No, I was. I watched the uh, watched Hoosiers growing up. No, Gene Hackman. Yeah, gotta watch that. That's why. Never seen my brothers in Hoosiers. I bring it up every time. I, it's my like my brothers in Hoosiers. Should we should we watch that after a AEW on? Yes, on we'll, we'll watch. <laughs> watch have a screening. Uh. uh Hoosiers, yeah. My brother's in that, like, there's an opening scene because parts of it were actually filmed in Indiana. Right. And so he was in that school scene at the very beginning, walking uh, walking in front of nice. Gene Hackman. That's awesome. Um, all right, Lucas, what do you got? Um, we had, 
nice weekend with our kids and most of their significant others. Nice. Um, and yeah, especially like our our oldest son has. Um, he's had a really great like the past month or so. So when he was, I talked about he was in New Zealand. And he got back and everything. He had like pretty intense depression during that time and then it took him a while when he got back and it was just really rough um and a transitional time in life and then starting about a month ago he uh met a girl and they were like instantly almost like boyfriend and girlfriend they weren't just like talking or whatever the kids say um they dtr'd in like 24 hours literally yeah (laughs) and uh and he got a full-time job, which gives him a sense of stability. And he got an apartment, which he's moving into this weekend. So, oh, shit. Um, yeah. So that's been really good just to see him get to a place that's mm-hmm. better than yeah it was. To, to see him grow out of that experience. And, yeah. And not only get out of it, but it sounds like he's doing really, really well. Yeah. 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 And that's just is really great. And so then with that, um, there were like two nights in a row where we had all our three kids and two of their significant others. Um, and the third, she goes to school in Michigan. So she wasn't coming down for dinner. (laughs) But, um, it was just really cool. Like we always love having the kids and their boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. Um, but I think especially with the oldest, like, not being the odd one out mm. yeah um it just felt a lot i don't know it felt really good and it was like i always i loved the show uh parenthood welcome I, back connor well yeah i love that too <laughs> <laughs> bob is my guy um but uh at the end of parenthood the pretty much every episode i think they like sit around this huge long table oh yeah and the family's all there and you know they're grown and have their kids and stuff and just whenever I watch that, like that scene is what like I want in life. Mm. And so it just, <gasps> it's I get those, I get those glimpses sometimes. And so that was really nice. That's so awesome. that was a long time. So. Hot take. Parenthood is better than this is us. I never watched this is us. Exactly. <laughs> that proves it, right? Parent, that- parent, parent, parenthood, parenthood has Dax Shepard. So fucking good. I didn't. Michaela loved both Way of them. Better. I never saw either. I saw like parts. And I, I watched all completed both series. <laughs> Parenthood I loved. So just mm, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um mine is I have it written down here. Three weeks <laughs> four <laughs> weeks <laughs> ago. Four weeks ago I watched Blue Beetle. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, mine is is a very small moment. Um so with Sarah working nights, I'm doing bedtime a lot more than I ever have. Um but I was putting nervous down, and she leans over to me, and she says, you know, Papa, you're getting older now, and uh, you can't fit new things inside your brain. Whoa. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. You can't do things inside your brain? I, I can't fit. fit new things inside my brain. <laughs> it was just like a, 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 like a, a bedtime thought. It's like, wow. you know, you're Out getting older. Out of the older. mouths of babes. Yep. You're getting older now, and uh, <laughs> you can't fit new things inside your brain. And it's just like it was so 
great. Yeah. Um, because it's like true. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta I, take something out to fit yeah, something in. Yep. Yeah, gotta something else is falling out. It's like uh, if you put you get a, a bookshelf and you put it, more books on one side, the ones on the end just kind of yeah. fall off. <laughs> so, so what are you losing every week to be able to remember that you've watched Blue Beetle? Um, well, I have go. it written down. I would forget <laughs> otherwise. So it helps helps to 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 take notes. Um, man, what am I forgetting? At fucking everything. <laughs> Like I, I have started writing things down because Brad was like uh, earlier this week. He's like, I did a PM down in Newburgh, and he went to go do the other one in Newburgh today. He was like, uh, "What bar did you do in, in Newburgh?" And I was like, "Dude, fuck, fuck if I know. Fuck if I know." But you know what? I did write it down. So <laughs> I was like, "Let me look at my notes, and I'll and I'll tell you." Because I, dude, that was like a week and a half ago. How yeah. do I know which side I mean, of the? I couldn't, to no one's surprise, I couldn't remember what bar I worked on the ne- like that oh afternoon. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'll I look just, at notes from a week ago. I was like, oh, that's I, what I did. I don't even remember being here a week ago. I don't, <sighs> I don't remember what I did all week every time we go to talk about Brightside. Yeah. <laughs> like, As, I was grasping at straws, and then I was like, oh, wait, basketball game. Okay. Yay, basketball. <laughs> I actually hate my kids. It was mm. just, I needed yeah. something. <clears throat> I mean, but he does I, like parenting. Lucas does his children. Lucas like actually doesn't have any kids. <laughs> 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 They're like Josh's friend, Moose. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Don't exist. Yep. Don't exist. Who? Her? Never heard of him. Um, okay, let's do, um, I guess, music time. What do you know? Hmm. All right. All right. There's nothing Wait, we have to do this again. Three white guys. Oh my god. More than Charm. Philosophers about why they're right. Hold on to your butts. About the things they like. From peach to terror to ambient noise. Why didn't they have any jokes during the music time? Yeah. Where were the jokes? Logan says your time jumping journals entries would be entertaining. Go. No joke, oh, man. There we go. Enjoy the show. I'm going to take a... Uh... Oh. Yeah, we're still recording. Do you, What are you going to take? No, no. I was going gonna, was... to say I was going to do like a, a live journal of um, of the thing on Monday, but that was... What? The AEW thing. I was gonna like. Oh, that's time, Sunday. Time stamp it. Oh, Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Yeah. The you know. Lord's Day. All right. The Lord's Day. Music. <laughs> Bits sure. and pieces. All right. Of it. All right. We're, we're doing music time again. Uh, so fun fact: <laughs> we uh, did music time already once, and uh, bonus we, songs. We and did not have the soundboard plugged in. So uh, we're gonna put that. I think we're gonna put that recording at the end of this episode, and you can just listen to us talk about absolutely fucking nothing. And you're gonna be like, "What songs were you talking about?" We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take two. Uh, this is music time. Josh, take us away. With 15% less filler. All right, so this is John Craigie, um, and which is, is Lucas's pump-up music, I think, right? Yeah, Phillips that's my, Craigie that's and Dean. my sound yeah. check music. Yeah. yeah, those jokes really land a lot better the second time through. Um, so my favorite song on here is track five, Viking Sex, but out of respect for Lucas, we're going to do California Sober. So the California album is Pagan Church and it's by John Craigie. Here we go. I'm gonna hang from the rafters and stretch out my crooked spine. 
I'm gonna hang from the rafters and stretch out my crooked spine. I see a black haired woman every time I close my eyes. Your bones, sunny side up, spine to spine with your mouth. Your bones sunny side up, spine to spine with your mouth. Oh, Mary never told Jesus to get a job. Oh, poor Jesus. Poor Jesus. He keeps getting brought up. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Right. Literally, a second Craig. time. He got brought up a second time. Yeah, hey, hey, Sus. <laughs> That'll Second coming. Um, okay. I had that earlier today. <laughs> no, Neat. I, I wish I did. <laughs> this is an Australian group called Deer Sunday. Um, not a... Not Manchester Orchestra Deer. No. It's uh, not the, the deer Keep. that almost hit my car, or did hit my car. Not the deer that I broke its legs to bury. The butcher in Bloomington. <laughs> but... Saw struck down as if you're addressing a letter so anyway this is never again by dear sunday two three four i'm gonna play the lax <laughs> <laughs> you can't unhear it i see a storm blue now that it's not through and i didn't want to live like this oh that's i'm wasted that's how my face did this time will be be my last If you can't say yes in it like no Get it. That's them guys. All right. If you've ever wondered what it's like when we record it the first time and then we record it again, it just loses some of the <laughs> it's magic. Just, it's it's just not as good. So we're, I'm going to intentionally leave the, the this on the back end so people can just listen to us in old school style. That's and right. And enjoy raw it. One, one mic. We're all dogging it. One mic. We're back like in a, the old time like days. A, we're like a bluegrass band. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is uh, Cult uh, by Candy Carpenter. I teased it last week, so... Gotta, gotta give you the goods. So here we go. Yep.
was um, Hymns of Reconstruction. I didn't say that the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah plug for the playlist on Spotify. Hymns I, of Reconstruction. I like how it the really playlist. just like left turn into like a Taylor Swiftish uh-huh. chorus. Like, yeah. That's great. The Hymns of Reconstruction, the podcast, the playlist, kind of like the. Formerly the podcast. The musical, the. The show, the musical. It had two podcasts, two <laughs> runs as as a podcast, <laughs> and now it is um, just a playlist. All right, Josh, take two. Yeah. All right. This is Declan McKenna. Uh, he's a British dude that apparently, like, he's pretty young, but I guess he's been around since like he like won Best New Artist in Glastonbury in like 2017 or something, mm-hmm. and then like a couple other chart charted stuff, but it's all been in UK, so it's kind yeah. of. So this song is called Mahalan's Dinner and Wine. So I'm not going to play the other one this time. Let's do this guy. Here we go. I like the other one better. <laughs> you would. Of like art, like current Arctic monkeys or foster the people. Yeah, like that's kind of the vibe I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lucas. Speaking of charting in the UK and being unknown in America, uh, band called Athlete. From back in the day, as I said, when Coldplay was a good band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in that same vein. Um, wait, wait, just to make sure it gets back in there. Living La Vida Vida and Ricky Chris Martin there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now when you Yeah, get- so we can say the hashtag <laughs> later. <laughs> so they at least. There's have a joke. Been You'll sad. hear it later at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, athlete, uh, I listened to him a lot back then. R- just- Ricky Martin, Coldplay. <laughs> Yes. Athlete, uh, and just kind of went on a dive. So, is this a new song or is this a throwback? This is a throwback. Okay, this is no. probably oh four oh five. I don't remember when this album was, but uh, anyway, it's called Modern Mafia, and that yeah, you should check them out because this is just one of their sounds. Mm. Yeah, ladies. Tell me something I don't know. Times before Make it up as we go along And we're in so deep you can't be wrong It's obvious that this is more I was turning my music down. Hold on. 
It's like, what's yeah. happening? It's like, why isn't it going down? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I did prepare this time. Last time I wasn't prepared. <laughs> uh, this one is going to be uh, Don't Tell the Boys by PD. We're dropping in for verse two. We're going to be in the middle of the song. Dropping in for verse yeah, two. Because it's better. And Live to you, Before PD. you can say it, I'm just going to say, uh, don't call it that. So. <laughs> don't tell the boys that we don't spend the week inside and watch three seasons of the OC till Marissa fucking dies in no time to Or heroin. I'm right. to have to Michael basing your life. And then I'm going to play this song that I listened to in the shower, and I was like, I got to play it. It's called Life is a Beautiful Gift from Above by EXBF. EXBF's brother. XBF. Um, Lucas, did you want to play some of your <laughs> jams? Yeah. Pump up some of your jams? <laughs> New segment? Yeah. Okay. Um, or an old segment. Re- reimagined. Yeah. This is I a can li- only imagine. This we is had the, uh, um, what, what do they call it? Live action version of the old oh, se- section. Oh, something just did something weird on here. You know, kinky. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's go with this. Okay. This is who is this again? This is the Citrus Taco. This is my high school band. Standing on the morning, sunset in my eyes. And I say it's Easter Day, but I won't rise tonight. Try to keep up rescue. This news just never stops. This is constant variable. Always on your board. As noted, this was this was recorded on I believe real to real. And then mixed down to a cassette tape. Then copied 500 times. Yes. Well, five or six times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that solo. (laughs) Uh, And then I'm just going to take you to the interlude here uh, so you can sample our greatness. Same song, by the way, folks. Yeah, yeah it just is a. This hard is the same song. Yeah, yeah. I miss that. Yeah, the, the Duke Silver solo instead of is where it's at. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to instead of a middle eight, they just decided to. <laughs> we did a middle sixty nine. Do a different. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Middle sixty nine. <laughs> That's what we're here for. 
So yeah, that was that. And then it kind of morphs back. Where both segments are going at once because we're super creative and artsy. So that was that. All right. Well, Enough of that. Let's conclude music time. <laughs> Bye. 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 All right. We are back. Um, while we were podcasting, I did, or while we were on break, I, I typed in, uh, uh, what, what did I type in? Uh, three white guys podcasting uh, in abstract art. So we got this one for our, our watchers at home. That was my favorite one. The white puce. <laughs> uh, we got this one. Grits. Weist. We. White. And then uh, this one. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, that's our new AI backgrounds for, <laughs> for breaks. All right, $5 a month. You yeah. can see those. Yeah. So here we go. Alright. Uh news feed. Josh, you got any got you, bitches. news feeds? Yeah. Um according to New York officials. Oh, hang on. Let me get everything popped Where up. news Fucking comes help. first. Go away, go away. New York officials. Turkeys are now status quo and need to be accepted by Staten Islanders. Okay. Were people upset about the turkeys? City and state officials have seemingly thrown in the towel on managing Staten Island's troublesome turkey population. There's turkeys on Staten Island! (laughs) I knew you were setting me up. (laughs) Absolutely. The ball was put on the tee for you. (laughs) Now telling Perot residents they must learn to live alongside the neighboring nuisances. Uh, So the turkeys were first documented there in the late 90s. Um, Get over it. But in recent years, the population has exploded with the pesky pests, <laughs> spreading Same. their wings all across the borough, nesting in a residents' front lawns, blocking traffic, scratching I'm cars. I'm goblin here! <laughs> Defecating on private property, like Lucas, and in some cases, <laughs> dying on sidewalks and being left to rot. So there you go. Oh, geez. Yeah, so oh. basically, basically they've... New York has just told them, sorry, we've tried. There's nothing more we can do. <laughs> this what, is who you are now. What happens when an animal dies like that in, in a city? In a city. Rats. I guess somebody has to come and get them? Yeah, somebody has to. Well, yeah. I mean. Is there like a body? Is there like a uh, like a pile of dead animal bodies in New York? Probably. Because there's like Absolutely. so many dead animals around here. Like people, the police will just basically come and basically shove it off the road, but it'll just stay there until... Nature, Something eats it. Nature wow. finds its way. <laughs> finds its way home uh. to... Or until Lucas comes and buries it. <laughs> well, <laughs> the street... You do have to get it in the street if you want it picked up. I can tell you that from experience. <laughs> because if you put it in the street and it looks like Lucas has been at it... <laughs> well, no, not the deer. Uncomfortable another solution to that. No, one time... When <laughs> When we lived over on the west side of Bloomington on Curry Pike, busy road, I woke up one day, went outside, and there was a dead cat in the middle of my front lawn. Just died, no signs of struggle. Just, just flat in my just lawn. Just dead. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I call like the sanitation or someone. I'm like, pick up. I have a dead animal in my yard. They're like, sorry, we only do it if they're in the road. Me, I, I have a dead animal in my in my room. A very pragmatic individual. Uh, I was like, "Well, we can fix that." So, I can did make, you really move the cat? I can. I, can make I got it, a snow shovel. Can make it your problem. I picked oh the cat up. God. Now we live on a on a four lane road the at the time. Strikes again. 
The butcher's back. We Guess li- who's back? We live on a four-lane road. Busy morning traffic. It's like Butcher of Bloomington <laughs> 2. Electric Boogaloo. So anyway, I, I get the snow shovel. I pick up the cat. But we live on a busy road, and I don't want to be seen throwing a dead cat into the road. We live. Why not? Because that is Bloomington. You can't it go. Raises, it me your neighbor's it cat. raises some questions that only people ask. You know, right? You can't go more than hundred yards seeing a dead cat be thrown on the road. So anyway, here's what I do. I see, like, I have a dead cat in a shovel, <laughs> and there are cars. All everybody's on their way to work. We lived on a corner lot, and there was another road on our side yard. So I go, and because it's like the sun is up, everything, dead cat in a shovel, and I'm like kind of <laughs> <laughs> sneaky walking like they do in cartoons, like between <laughs> bushes. And I st- stand back, and I like heave the shovel and launch the cat into the air, and it lands. <laughs> it lands on, like, instead of just flat in the road, it lands on the curb in the road. <laughs> This is when I realized rigor mortis has set in, and this thing looks like a BMX <laughs> ramp on the side of the road. The road. <laughs> it's just like down there in an angle. <laughs> Do dead cats bounce? It just kind of like not a big bounce, but it it landed. So the funny thing is, like within ten minutes of me doing this, the street sweeper comes down the road in front of our house. <laughs> Sanitation department's on their way. But it only goes down the busy road at the front of our house. <laughs> the cat remains on the side of the house. Of course, it makes for a good story. So I tell my youth group kids back in the day, and they love the story. And they would be like, they'd ask me throughout the week, like, did they get the cat yet? And I'm like, that was on Monday. They're like, I'm like, no, no. So on Friday night, some of the girls from our youth group were Friday having, night. I was going to say Friday. No, I was. Th- yeah, th- I, know. Uh, I was thinking of the. Uh, uh, sorry, you need to leave. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, so girls from our youth group are having a sleepover. So the boys go to play a prank on them. I find out the next week that they ding dong ditched them, but <laughs> sitting on the doorstep was the cat from my. Oh curb. my god. <laughs> that had to go in the back of someone's car. They picked. They put it in a trash bag. Drove over there, dumped it out of the trash bag on their doormat, and bounced. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Anyway, what were you talking about, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Logan. Day, night. I'm thinking that we just might fly away oh to someplace they don't Friday know. Friday um, night. I, Logan said, Lucas Youth Pastor voice. You know who else ascended from the ground after death? <laughs> Did Jesus bounce when he, <laughs> when he died? Oh, jeez. Oh, Are we telling news stories? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. What was that? Oh, my God. All right. Dead turkeys. Um, what's, the, what's the Pete Davidson joint? The something of Staten Island? The oh, the King of Staten, King Staten Island. The turkey Staten Island. Oh, it was a good movie. Oh, yeah? Um, all right, here we go. Yeah, it was good. Bill Burr was in. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see that. That makes it great. Oh. All right. Um, this is from The Guardian. Uh, more Ooh, women may be psychopaths than previously thought, says expert. Oh, is that uh, not expert, a this. white male podcaster? Says assessment, 
skews toward obvious male traits, but female psychopathy is more subtle. I did, I did ask Michaela about this first. To be clear, I asked my social worker wife about this. She's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have a lot more like subtle. You know what? He's like, yeah, I did think you were kind of subtly a psychopath. Yeah, yeah basically. I, I, you're not. You're 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 not. You're crazy. Yeah. Uh, you're according crazy, to one expert, man. Uh, could, the number could be higher than previously thought. So like, they think they have a good handle on men because Gosh. the signs are a lot more obvious. But like, it, just like in a lot of of like. Um, so you're calling all women secretly crazy? Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Oh. You can quote me on that. Wow. That's what Josh is saying. Mm. Um, no, but like that. There's you know like with every or a lot of um, mental health issues. The signs tend to be a lot more obvious in men, mm. or they manifest in obvious ways. But in with women, they're not. So anyway, the the um, the headline made it worth it to do that one. Uh-oh. Yep, exactly. Uh, tread. That's, that's at the JMKC. Tread on carefully. Um, all right, let's see here. All right, last one. Uh, Kellogg's CEO faces backlash for saying people should eat cereal for dinner to save money. Oh, my God. Let them eat cornflakes, quote unquote. <clears throat> Appears to be Kellogg's. How to know you're in a capitalist hellscape. Right. CEO Gary Pilnick's advice to cash trap shoppers um, who are spending the highest in portion of their income on food than any point in the last 30 years. Uh, in an interview last week, the company was advertising cereal for dinner. <clears throat> Consumers looking for more affordable options. Says, give the chicken give chicken the night off. Wow. Yep. Quote the cereal You want a healthy category. meal? Eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No. If you think about the cost of vegan. cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable, he says. So. Well, no I mean, I, I get... Uh, cereal when it's on sale, like those boxes up there, those are all under two dollars. Yeah, yeah. Wow. For fucking a full box, it'll be multiple meals. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's all sugar, but yeah. you know, you just buy a bag of Domino. It's of- <laughs> it's enriched with vitamins, I believe. That's right. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. What kind of capitalist hellscape Apparently, are we in? We're spending twenty six percent more on groceries than we have. Uh, oh, the there's last, no doubt. Yeah, something like that. That seems low since twenty twenty. Um, oh, okay. Well, that seems super low. Twenty six percent more. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like we're we're doing way more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in twenty twenty two, consumers spent eleven point three percent of their disposable income on food, which was the highest since ninety one. So, mm. but cereal yeah. prices have increased a lot as well. So yeah, yeah. You got to yeah. shop the sales, guys. Yep. Kroger, Kroger dot com. Do you? Okay. Are there any? Um, are there any cereals that are that you prefer in the off-brand? Ooh. Oh, uh, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. Do you get it in a Is bag or a box, off-brand? So I was once selected. Let me tell you guys about mm, this story. Okay. I was once selected to blind taste test Chucky or our, our, our Lucky Charms and all the Chucky the, alarms. all the different various uh, versions yep. of Lucky Charms. It came in these like box that looked like they were from uh, Lost. Um, the, the, the Dharma Initiative. Yeah, the Dharma, they look like Dharma Initiative boxes. <laughs> they were white boxes with black print. Um, they had the, the ingredients on there. Um, and that was the only way I could tell which one I actually liked the best is by checking the agree- ingredients on the box versus like the ingredients in the stores. Mm. Um, so uh, it's, it's uh, Medios. Is the oh, okay. is the yeah. best? Oh. Those are the bags, aren't they? Yeah, those are yeah. bags. So yeah, we still nice. have Lucky Charms, a regular version. Yeah. But 
because you know You're status. Bougie. Obviously, we have, yeah. we have to have like bougie or... But Medios is better. Nice. Wow. So there you go. Medios are magically delicious. They are magically delicious. Who knew? Yeah. Um, do you guys see the Brian Houston of Hillsong news? Oh my god! Week? Yes, <laughs> it's so delicious. The one about p- the post, the Twitter, or the the Twitter? <laughs> yeah. The tweet about that? Yeah. No, the post on X, bro. Oh, sorry. Twitter, formerly Dude, known as X, formerly known as Twitter. If you go to the website, you have to type in twitter.com. Yeah. Is it still that way? It's can not you, x.com. Can you go to x.com? I'm going to go to x.com. I mean, maybe mm. you can, you but every keep time. Your, keep your sound on so we can hear what comes up. Uh, <laughs> x.com. Well, I know what's-his-face owns it. <laughs> no, it comes up as Twitter. Okay, it, but then look it, it in redirects your, to twitter.com. Exactly. It's That's a redirect fantastic. page. Yeah. Wow. Go throw a brick through a car window, Elon. Uh, <laughs> truck window. Um, yeah, ball. so Thanks. if you haven't heard this one, what is your emergency? <laughs> yes, this is Jesus Christ, and I just <laughs> broke into the pizza. I won't stop. I'm to stop. Make it stop. Keeps going. He's back to earth. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Brian Houston, former disgraced pastor of Hillsong Church, currently disgraced former pastor. Yes. Um, uh, he posted on X, um, simply, ladies and girls kissing. Now, Ernest Hemingway <laughs> famously challenged himself to come up with a story that only consisted of six words. Brian Houston beat him. Four words, ladies <laughs> and girls kissing. Oh, my god! And then he followed that up about, I think, 12 minutes later. With well, 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 first... I- Let's talk about the original tweet before okay, we, we, okay. we get into the bullshit that happens next. Um, what in his mind is, is the, the difference, difference between <laughs> ladies and girls? And the only thing I can fucking think of is age. Yeah. Uh-huh. He wants that gilf kiss. Mm. Mm. Sloppy wet gilf kiss. Or, or inappropriate underage. Yeah. Well, it's got to be the latter. Jared. I think yeah, it's, it's gotta be the latter. Like girls, like I don't think he's thinking. Yeah, probably forty-year-old girls, seventy-year-old yeah, woman. Exactly. Lady. Yeah, like I don't think that's what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I mean, he it, might be thinking seventy-year-old lady. It's but, creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. Huh. And uh, yeah, so he did the classic boomer. I want to Google this, or I think I'm on Pornhub or something, and types that in. And so people immediately start tweeting. What is Brian doing? This Pentecostal pastor. Um, That tweet was deleted 16 minutes later, and a new tweet came up, and it said... sat there for 16 minutes. I think my Twitter may have been act. Been act? Oh, that's right. He said, I think my Twitter may have been hacked. Um, (laughs) Of course You don't say. Because that's what every pastor does when they repost or accidentally... Mm-hmm. Do whatever they were doing in public. So, uh, yeah, good old. It never Hillsong never ceases <clears throat> to give us joy mm. um, and spiritual guidance. Um, yes. Did you did you see the uh, the like the the note they sent internally about it? No. So they sent a note internally of like how this happened. Uh-huh. Like, and it was within like minutes. Uh, someone from the U.S. had logged into his yeah. account and like they had hacked it. But like, is that? Happened? I saw that as what they said happened. 
this wasn't an internal note. This was what his team like said assistant, to the public. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. This, this was like an internal. Um, d- don't, don't, uh, the one that I saw was like, don't speculate. This is what happened, basically. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So when they, like, I know that there have been several stories and whatnot about them, but there wasn't there like a big <clears throat> documentary or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So wasn't Two, he actually. like super... Hillsong dis- is trash. Yeah, wasn't like he... Is he still there? I thought he was like discredited He's and not, like left. I'd, no. This but, was his team that was doing that. He's not at the church anymore. Yeah. Okay. He, he may have actually, unless this is someone else, I think he might be suing the church. Yeah. Oh, I'm not, yeah. For, yeah. Or some other disgraced pastor. I, don't I know. think he got heavy knee tooed. Yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, well, that's what I was like. His, so the big thing surprised. was legal participating in the cover-up of sexual assault of minors. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it was kind of before his time, but he still... His dad was like the yeah. main perpetrator, but yeah. he also protect, went he out of his way him. to protect his yeah. dad. Yeah. So anyway, cool. yeah, we're, we're not worried about hurting his feelings. No. Um, but Logan is right that, you know, three white podcasters kissing hot is the... Yeah. <laughs> Is the correct search that should have been made? Dang it! I can <laughs> hey man, we can get to it. That's what he right should have. That's what mm-hmm. Brian should have should have searched, and that's also yes. what Michael should have searched. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, wait, someone said spiritual warfare. Uh, I clicked on the wrong tab. Sorry. At its highest. Spiritual warfare at its highest dance numbers. <laughs> that's exactly. He's like, pray for me, guys. The devil's coming after me. <laughs> He's in America. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so we have a woman who had to sue her insurance company to cover the injuries to her back and neck. She has been unable to work for more than five years to play with her children. Um, claims she was left with a disabling condition after a car she was traveling in was hit from behind. Um, so she's been fighting, you know, David fights Goliath. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Every time you have to deal with insurance, that's what happens. Her claim was denied because corporations suck um, and thrown out Oh, by a high court judge. In Limerick, this is in Ireland. Mm, County Limerick. Yeah. In Mm. Limerick. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, a photograph came to light showing this woman throwing a five-foot spruce at a charity event in 2018. Mm. (laughs) So the picture was published in a national newspaper. And uh, while she argued that she was still suffering from her injuries, they Mm. dismissed her claim because she was... Well enough Very to throw a spruce. Well enough to throw a spruce. So if you ever uh if you have a claim like that going, don't go out in public in like competitions throwing trees. Yeah. yeah. You know. Feats of strength are not really helpful in your case. I still like I am still of like the By the way, who fucking throws a spruce? Sorry. It was what would you contest, pre- I what, think. What would yeah. you prefer that they throw? It was a Christmas tree Who throwing. Who throws a tree? It's a Christmas tree throwing. We do the pumpkin launch in Bloomington. We do? Yeah. It's people build like catapults and shit. It's like through parks fuck, and rec. Why didn't I get to build a catapult? Do you, do you remember when you were a kid, kid when you were, uh, like, when you would get sick and then, like, you would have to miss out on things later in the day because uh-huh. you were sick earlier? Yeah. I still, I still can't get that. I always, I always feel better by like one p.m. Right? Yeah, I mean, by, by like by like two or three, I'm I'm yeah. generally fine. I always yeah. like I still have that in my bones. Just like all right, I can't post on social media that I feel better because my boss may see it. Right, and then like <laughs> he'll be like, "Yeah, he was fucking fine. He said something about Taylor Swift." Yeah. Like, also, Dan, you're not wrong. 
Um, I don't know what Dan said. A woman with a bad back can beat the shit out of Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. True. That's one of his kinks, actually. Yeah. yeah. He prefers uh, it. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's I'm just imagining he didn't use the spruce on me. That's all. <laughs> Uh, this guy could have used a spruce. Uh, Florida man. Florida, Florida man, man. Florida man. Does whatever a Florida man can. <laughs> Went into the hospital earlier this Sticky month after this noticing is. that his whole face felt like it was on fire. Um, Isn't that a, a The weekend song? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's uh, What's her name? This, this face, face is on fire. fire. <laughs> I, was going, uh, I can't feel my face. Uh, I'm when glad I'm that you. we both knew exactly <laughs> what I was. What is her name? I can, Alicia Keys. I can Alicia there you Keys. Go. Yeah, I can see, see her face. Feel my show, face yeah. when I'm with you. Um, I think that won a Kids' Choice Award, actually. <laughs> so this guy. So how much. do you know that? <laughs> Thanks to Kellen. Oh, he likes to bring miss. up the fact that that song won a Kids' Choice Award, and it's about taking so much coke that you can't feel your face. Sorry, continue, Lucas. Hey, okay, all good. <laughs> uh, worth worth knowing. Uh, <laughs> so a guy went to the hospital in Florida uh, because his face felt like it was on fire. He first started experiencing symptoms in October, but it wasn't until recently that they became serious. Over a couple hours, there's not a Florida accent. Sorry, guys. Well, unless he's up north. I'm from Florida. Florida. Yeah. Uh, over a couple hours, my it face like started a, swelling. I am from Florida. <laughs> Trump is the best guy I around. I am from Florida, and I'm running for president. Both, I, both I am from Florida. My lips swelled. I could hardly talk. I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom without my nose starting to bleed. Same. Uh, so he goes in there, and they get the nose camera, whatever you call that, and they saw dozens and dozens of bugs feeding on the nose and sinus cavity. Holy shit. Some as big as the end of his pinky. Oh, oh my no. God. So the doctor said, I knew he was in trouble. There was erosion that was occurring near the skull base in very close proximity to his eye and oh brain. Oh, my God. And God damn. They tried to suck him out, but that the insects which were in the larval stage no. but they were too large so they had to extract them one by one oh. from oh his God. skull base basically oh. from his brain down through his nose um, yeah so like they had to stick something up his nose and pull out pull, each one and each one oh. and it says it was over 150 Oh my god! Oh my god! What if one of them was still in there, and it had babies? It's gonna pop through do aliens. Just happens man. again. It's so, like uh, the mummy. Remember the mummy when those yeah, things got under people's the scarabs? Skins? Yeah, fuck. You'd see them like crawling through their legs and shit. Yeah, I don't want that. Uh, the <laughs> bugs. The bugs have been sent to an epidemiologist. I would send them to an entomologist, but you do you. Yeah. Uh, the patient is expected to make full recovery. So. We can all rest easy. And now he is Spider-Man. Yeah. All yeah, right. So it remains a mystery how the larvae got inside the man's nose. But he told First Coast News that the problem might have stemmed from his bad hygiene habits when handling dead fish. And the story oh ends God. with, before, I would rinse my hands in the river. Now I'll use cleaner to do a better job and not touch my nose or hand. Y y uh, All's well that ends think? well, you know. So. <laughs> Anyway, I bet this guy just has like pink eye all the time. Aside from anything it's else, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I have a coli, but you know, I just used oh, a god damn Circle K restaurant. I'm just thinking of like a bug crawling on my fucking skull, yeah, underneath my skin. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, like, because your sinus cavity is up here, right here. Mm -hmm. Like, they just... No. Just, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to sleep He's well like tonight. He's, like, eating ice cream, trying to get brain freeze to, like... Yeah, right. Know, send them out or something. I don't know. But So yeah. they, like, freeze oh. up and just kind of fall out of his nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> That's that. Thanks, Lucas. All Fuck right. you. <laughs> Always ready to bring some happiness and mirth. You got any more? No, I'm good. All right. Uh... Fuck Wendy's, man. I never thought I would what be here. What? Wendy's is introducing Uber-style surge pricing. What? Your favorite Wendy's item could cost more or less depending on the time you order it in the future. Hmm. Yeah. Fucking hell. What were you saying about capitalist, capitalist hellscape? I just... <laughs> what the fuck, man? Wow. I, I just like, we're planning to invest approximately $20 million to roll out digital menu boards. Who the fuck cares, guy? Um, but but they're, they're doing dynamic pricing and day part offerings along with AI-enabled menu changes and wow. suggestive selling. Beginning as Isn't early as 2025. Suggestive selling is... That's it's advertising. Like, well, yeah, no, it's, just like, it's when you're like, oh, and would you like a blueberry scone with that today? Oh, that. Gotcha. All people in red Ford trucks like bacon. <laughs> would you like a double Baconator across well, yes. the sky? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, Works yeah. For they're, people in orange cars, too. They are thinking about changing the prices built based on algorithms to take out uh, account for competitor pricing, supply, demand, and other external factors in the market. And watch their menu shrink. Dynamic it will. pricing. Yeah. Jeez. Eat a bag of dicks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like if it were... Because when I think of dynamic and surge pricing, it's like things get three times as much. Right. I'm like, if it was like had a range of like 10% <laughs> above or below yeah. like the regular cost. 50 I mean, cents more. Because, you know, you're... Because are getting slammed. Yeah, and if you happen to want, you know, a Dale Earnhardt burger at, you know, 11 a.m., and you get a little cheaper, you know, okay, whatever. I feel like you're already paying dynamic pricing if you do drive throughs Yeah. Because you're sitting there for 25 minutes wasting gas, like... You're yeah. already paying extra. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is like some some places like Starbucks, for instance, the drive through is actually the faster option because that's what yes. the metrics are based oh, on. They is how will, quickly they get yeah. you through. Fuck if you, you go, if you're in the lobby. Yeah, if you're inside, you're there all day. But like a lot of fast food places, that is not the case. Like it's it's a crapshoot. You have no yeah. idea. Yeah. If you're gonna do more one or the other. Logan says, "Bring back sea salt fries." I didn't know they went away. This sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Dan says, "AMC." Already did this and was considering charging charging different prices depending on which seat you choose for the for a movie, kind of like going to a concert. And they have since backtracked that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're not doing it because it was bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Ruth, goddess man, goddess man, goddess like man, goddess man, goddess man. Ruth got this man down in the Ruth threshing got floor. This man. <laughs> Billionaire widow donates. Wow, that is a that is a pastor <laughs> cut right there. Is what that is. Billionaire widow donates one b -b -b billion to cover tuition at a Bronx medical school forever. Whoa! So, um, 
annual tuition at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx is nearly $60,000. Thanks to billionaire Ruth Godisman, students no longer have to pay. Wow. Just for the like, just for the ones that are currently enrolled, I guess, or uh, for uh, or until the my understanding ending. is, um, <laughs> look opposite of Scott's forever. <laughs> like, I don't know how the billion lasts forever, but yeah. I would say uh, in perpetuity, they must have some sort of it must like compounding interest to be yeah. able to pay for. I mean, if you have a billion dollars in a in an account in a high yield savings account. Yeah. Or, in a mutual fund or whatever they're putting, or it whatever in. it's called, yeah, the um, like what universities Stonks. have, what churches oh, have, yeah, uh, whatever the word is, I can't think. Of. I can't either. <laughs> Our church obviously does not have an endowment. Obviously. Endowment, yes, there you go. <laughs> I've got one, dude. Uh, okay, that's I, I have like fuck all the way off story with the church when it comes to endowments. When I was like briefly considering going into the Episcopal church mm-hmm. and I did like, the, I got as far as like the internship piece, right. Where I yeah. like shadowed another priest and she was really cool. But like we, I was there at the church. It was, it was one of the really big Episcopal churches in Indy. Uh, when the main guy, the main priest, the rector, damn near killed her came back from a trip and he was like yeah i was at this retreat and like he just kind of threw out there that the barrier for entry was that you had to be the rector of a church that had a double digit in million dollars double digit endowment that was the but you could not come to this retreat unless you were the rector of a church that had a double digit million dollar endowment were there like three people on the retreat? no there were several people there there are three churches in indy that have double digit million dollar endowments (sighs) episcopal churches in indy three and yet there is i mean they could there is there's multiple and nobody goes to them no there's multiple evangelical churches in indy that have that have more members than the entire southern diocese combined oh yeah and yet the it's just just pissing away money. No. God. Anyway, sorry. That was not what we're doing right here, but <laughs> but I do like you get a free nun during what the, the fuck is going on? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um let's do this one. Uh Lalorna. Lalorna Fire yep. Vocalist. Sure. Uh, uh Fire so Lalorna Fire their vocalist after he reportedly <gasps> admits <laughs> To dosing bandmate <laughs> with estrogen to steal his fiance. Mr. Bass player, steal your girl. Yep. So he tra- admits to dosing a fellow male bandmate with estrogen to try and force a transition and steal that bandmate's fiance. That is, that is levels of <laughs> fucked up, man. He's playing 3D chess. Yeah, that is <laughs> something else. Um, <coughs> no, no word yet if it worked. So, <laughs> Time the, will fiance, tell. the fiance is she's just like you know I really appreciate the effort, so I'm yeah, give you a chance. What Dan Summer said a forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn, I mean, he's at least proven his love, right? Yeah, or she she can decide. Ye for estrogen. <laughs> so here's the here's the the update they posted on social media. It says we have decided to part ways with our vocalist Diego due to 
admission of very disturbing and concerning behavior towards Dora. one yeah, of <laughs> is he the one that was like helping out Dora <laughs> towards one of our our band members and their partner he has admitted to being obsessed with said partner and has been attempting to sabotage their relationship by cutting pre-workout uh, he by cutting pre-workout he frequently gifts from his job with high amounts of estrogen in them uh, he has been attempting to force a transition onto him for the last five months oh in hopes that he would give him the opportunity to swoop in once he looks stronger and more manly by comparison. <laughs> Stupid Fuck. man cave mindset that makes zero sense. This tampering has caused the confusion and thousands of dollars in medical bills in the past months trying to figure out what's wrong. We... Would not know any of this unless Diego had gotten way too intoxicated and ousted himself and then stated oh. in an admission to all of us this via text. Uh, there are many more disgusting details that have been left out for the sake of privacy and general censorship. My God. God damn. Wow. But on the plus side. And he straight up admitted in writing. Mm-hmm. But the, on the plus side, the dude's got some really nice boobs now. Yeah. I mean, like just a, a nice. I expected. I expected Diego to tamper with Dora and try <laughs> to fem her up a little bit or something. <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! Yeah. So, don't do that, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Like dosing people's not cool, but is that <laughs> like, what you've been doing to me? For <laughs> yes. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Oh. Every. Every episode is like one week <laughs> on estrogen. One week on estrogen. Have you seen those TikToks? <laughs> no, I thought it was a Blue Beetle reference. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, Florida Man Games. Florida Man. There is a thing called Florida Man Games where oh, big yeah. crowds cheer competitors, uh, evading police, and wrestling over beer are the things that they do. <laughs> Uh, kicked off on Saturday with the Star Spangled Banner uh, played on electric guitar. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, the, uh, they have all kinds of things. Pork barbecue and so- sausage is a thing okay. that they have. Okay. Um, I mean, so far I'm in. Oh, like yeah. pork sausage. Pork barbecue and pork sausage. Yes. Um, they also have sumo-style wrestling. Okay. While holding pitchers of beer, there or go. R- running from actual sheriff's de- deputies, uh, <laughs> while jumping fences to avoid uh, and avoiding other obstacles, um, others have faced a scramble to grab cash flying in a simulated hurricane winds, um, and then spectators paid money to go see this. Guess how much money it was to get into this event to watch the man, the Florida Man Games. Hundred bucks. That was no. A, that's high. Oh, what no. do you think? I was gonna say hundred. Oh, forty-five bucks to that's, watch. I this. mean, that's still a lot, but it's, I was just guessing that it was. It's like it costs like ten bucks to go see the demolition derby, right? Or to get into the fair to see. Yep, yep. Yeah. Wow. But if there's not a gator or a Burmese python involved, I mean, is it really Florida? Yeah, is it really Florida? Yeah. So, or if you're not going to burn some books while you're there, <laughs> I mean, he was he was uh, trying the after party. Think of ways he could add in drugs and nudity, but the city frowned upon drugs and nudity. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, you yeah. have you have to 
try to eat all of the meth before the python <laughs> swallows you. Everyone comes in pre-gamed. <laughs> you have to test positive mm. for meth before you're allowed to compete. Yeah, little little it's key the bump at the gate. It's the, yeah. the anti-Olympics. Uh, Pennsylvania Goodwill received a really unique one-inch gold Lego piece um, that sold for $18,000. So apparently, it's uh, there was some uh, jewelry that had a gold bionicle mask, which is a line mm-hmm. yeah. that was a really popular action figure in the early two thousand. Our line from the early two thousands, um, and it was just a Lego piece that uh, was made out of gold. Um, super rare, and it sold for eighteen thousand dollars. Is an inch long. That's a six stud, right? Wouldn't that be about a six? Yeah. Four would probably. I mean, let me. Yeah, it's about six. <laughs> um, so it is. Yeah, an inch long, fourteen carats. Yep. Um, to put that into context, one of Lego's most expensive sets is the Star Wars Millennium Falcon, a set comprised of more than seven thousand five hundred pieces, which also retails for eight hundred and fifty dollars. My God. So. Thanks, Biden. You've got three, right? I have none. I do not have money in Falcon. <laughs> I got a little. Actually, I do have a little tiny one, but not not the the full size money in Falcon. <sighs> um, and then last one. Here we go. Man is suing Powerball. Claims he's owed three hundred and forty million dollars after right. the incorrect winning lottery numbers are posted on their website. Ooh. So imagine. Oh, thinking you've just checking the, the numbers. Was this person's last name Polly by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> His name is Cheeks, John Cheeks. Hey Cheeks, hey, how geez. you doing, Cheeks? Um, so he bought sixty-year-old man bought a ticket in 2023 in the January seven. Uh, <laughs> on his way back from <laughs> nowhere, I wasn't <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> uh, drawing and says the numbers on the web website had changed by. January 10th, um, and uh, last year the Powerball's website agency claimed it accidentally posted Cheeks winning numbers to the DC lottery website and didn't remove all the mistakes until the 9th. So, just thinking like one of those, you know, change a change movie by changing a couple letters yeah. type things. It's yeah. like Cheech and Chong, it's Cheeks and Chong, and yes, it really changes. <laughs> Changes the whole vibe. <laughs> he says that, uh, or the lottery agency is saying that Cheeks is trying to capitalize Jesus. on an obvious <laughs> error from the Lotto website. So I mean, oh, so, like claiming, yeah, he's trying to capitalize he found on out their it mistake. But well, like, yeah, well, does he have the point. ticket? To he s- has the ticket. Oh, that is, well, he's not trying to. Ca- <laughs> yeah, the whole point. Yeah, they're trying to fucking gaslight this guy. <laughs> No, you're crazy. You're man. crazy, you, man. They're like it's not a thing. You should know. <laughs> quit overreacting. <laughs> you, I mean, we did post it as the winning number, but it wasn't the actual winning number, and you uh, should know that. Fucking hell! Who watches the actual lottery <laughs> poll anymore? Gosh, remember Indiana Lottery back in the day? Oh yeah, that it was a whole show, man. It was a show. Mm. Was a, they have someone standing there. Yeah, Powerball out of just, the oh yeah the hopper just hands on balls channel four. hands on balls all the time channel La- four lady in a cocktail dress with her hands on balls the yeah. whole time hands on balls hands on balls let's go into foofy how yeah. about that Should we do it? Hands on balls. Um, 
Speaking of hands on balls. All right. Yeah, let's, let's go into our interview. Here we go. Hey, Hillary, Dr. Dr. Hillary McBride is back (laughs) on the podcast. Uh, Long time. It's been a really long time. And uh, as we were talking before, this will be the ninth time you've been on this podcast. You've made a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) One of them you've made nine nine times. times. (laughs) Maybe it was the best decision. That's Maybe. why I keep doing it. Maybe it's yes. like the thing that orients me to my work in the world. It's like my <laughs> this is my calling and everything else is this kind of wake that comes in the aftermath of this. We is that are your, we're yeah. your true north. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. where like, you are. It keeps yes. me realizing there are people who are really screwed up and need a lot of help. Right. And uh, I go hang out with them once yeah. every yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we're the we're the reason we're the, you got into therapy. <laughs> yes, yeah. like the, we're the diner that politicians come to visit to like get back in touch with real people. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, need, I need some dirt bags in yeah, my life right? for a minute here. Yeah. Wow, see, so you guys are you're helping me. Right? This is like, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, so uh, you've been busy. You've been very yeah. busy. It seems. That's kind of, I guess, I guess that's how I roll. I don't know. There's just a lot that feels really exciting that I got my hands in right now. And so I suppose that would be one way of talking about it. But yeah, there's a lot that a lot I feel pumped up about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ha- had a child. That's the, You had just had your child since the last time we talked to you. She was brand new. And now brand she, new. Like, full sentences coming back at me. Wow. Sass. <laughs> attitude manipulation awesome. creative expression I mean, uh, you, she's now f- fully a person <laughs> you have to love the manipulation it's it's like oh where did you get that it's I'm sure true. i didn't teach you that must be inborn wow yes. okay. it's just, so um you uh have a new book it's been out for a, a little bit I, I i didn't realize it was already out but i was like i need to order copies of this and it's already out oh hey so, um so it's it's um practices for embodied living experiencing uh-huh. the wisdom of your body it's a follow-up or companion to your previous book the wisdom of your body which was mm-hmm. phenomenal mm, thank um you yeah a lot of a lot of authors would write a book and then like be done with that <laughs> um <laughs> But but it's it's almost like you're in the work, um, almost yeah. Almost yeah. it's almost like that. Very it's very it's. Um, what what is it about this topic that that brings you back to it? Obviously, I don't think you ever necessarily left it. Um, but what mm. is it about this work that that keeps you hooked? Oh, oh, what is it that keeps me hooked? Okay. Um, well, it feels like there's a lot in that question. So maybe I'll ask, I'll answer the question you actually asked, and then I'll okay. answer the question that maybe I thought you were going to ask or was like embedded in the question. Yes, it's, it's layers of, of <laughs> questions. So many layers of layers. Okay. So, one, I'll say that embodiment is relevant as long as we're alive, and that because our bodies are constantly changing, we have to reacquaint ourselves with what it means to be ourselves in the world. And and we do that through the new landscape of the location of our personhood. So I'm going to have to figure out how to be connected to myself as a body 
you know, as I acquire disability with age or as I age or, you know, in different stages or seasons of my life. I mean, I've just had a number of really significant events that I've just lived through stressors. Um, and so I think about how my body is changing and I'm relearning how to speak the language of my body in this version of myself. And so as long as I am alive, I think I'm going to keep asking these questions. Not necessarily that I'm going to write like, you know, 20 more embodiment books, right? Every year. Do it. The next 20 years. <laughs> Volume 20. Many. I can't wait. That's the when we really. purpose driven body. Yeah. yeah. Right. Body. That's right. <laughs> really Chicken soup for the out. body. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I don't want to fatigue everyone with the content, but it's like so. I, I just feel like there's so many slices of the human experience that we can never really get to the bottom of the fullness of what it means to be us, let alone what it means to be human. And because we're changing all the time, there's going to be new ways we need to be, be in relationship with ourselves, new things to navigate and negotiate. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that's why it's still interesting to me is because even though I know the content, my direct experience of being a body is always changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so we just have to keep, keep renegotiating, keep relearning, keep, it's kind of like marriage, right. Or kind of like a partnership yeah. or like friendship where you're like, if you think that you knew each other the day you got married or made that commitment and you don't put any effort in to getting to know each other over time, like that relationship is on a fast track to demise. Like you have to keep mm -hmm. asking each other those questions. Like, well, no, who's your favorite band now? Yeah. Then, no, no. What movies do you like now? Or like, mm -hmm. oh, you're, you know, what's your favorite food now? What do you, who do you want to be now? Like those things are constantly unfolding in relationships. And because we are a system, we carry relationship to ourselves and within ourselves. And so it, I think it takes the kind of the continued efforts of meeting ourselves over and over again. Yeah. yeah. I, I think about my relationship with my partner and I don't think that back then we would date who we are now. Oh, um, right. Um, we would pray for, for each other quite a bit. Uh, you know, the prayers would be overflowing uh, because of, of just the some of the things that that we we believe in now. But yeah. um, but but we are continually uh, kindling that relationship and that um, you know that that flame, if you will. But f mm -hmm. falling in love with each other as we go each step of the way. Mm -hmm. um, so I I think. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I was mm. just saying, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, okay. Yeah. Can I back up and think about like, yes. what I felt in the question that you yes. didn't necessarily ask directly? There's, um, I think it's really easy for many of us who over-identify ourselves as cerebral or cognitively oriented to learn about embodiment and feel like we've got it because we're like, oh, I understand the idea. Yeah. And the, the risk that I was running with publishing the wisdom of your body first is are people going to read this and be like, Oh, I, I got it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I got embodiment and yet actually like the practices for embodied living was the book I wanted to write all along where I'm like, mm -hmm. don't, don't rely on me to give you information about yourself as if mm -hmm. I'm somehow the person who's wise in all of this. Like I actually want for you to be oriented towards the place inside of you that you're expression of of selfness of aliveness comes from like that's actually where the juice is like that's kind of why i'm talking about all this stuff and yet the irony for so many of us and that's just like i want to put myself right at the front of this critique or or comment or maybe compassion however you look at it is when we have over identified with being minds 
minds are often the front door to our bodies. It's mm. almost like we need to be able to conceptualize something cognitively to be able to understand why it matters at all. Like if I was just to say like, here's a bunch of practices and people who've really identified as being hypercerebral don't understand why, like that would be really disorienting and no one would do it and it wouldn't really make sense. Like we need to make sense. And I will say the irony of saying make sense is that we assume that to be a cognitive thing and yet actually right. something making sense is an embodied process. It's like, oh, it feels right. Like, oh, it aligns. Like there's something in my tissues that goes, ah, oh, when I hear that or know that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I there's kind of like a, a strange backwards order in a way to how I wrote these. And yet um, I think that the reason I needed to write them in that order says something about the problem of our culture that we live yeah. in. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It, it, there's so many great practical uh, things in the book for people yeah. to, to practically do versus, you know, just learn like learning, like you said, reading the first book, yeah. it, it, this actually gives you the opportunity to, uh, internalize and experience mm -hmm. uh, some of that embodiment in, in the practices. Yeah, it's well, like a real knowledge versus ah. like just kind of, you know, I mean, there's that, you get it in your head and you feel like you know something, mm. but then you experience it and then that's like truer knowledge, I guess. Maybe. Wh wisdom versus knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, or applied knowledge becomes wisdom or something, but it's like, you really get it into you rather than just kind of like locking it in one yeah. of these files, you know? Well, it's like, think about the, the, something we do all the time. We read a recipe mm -hmm. and then we make the food and we taste the food. Mm -hmm. And those are totally different experiences and yet they're yeah. correlated in some way, right? And this is yeah. like, this is actually the root of why embodiment emerged in the field of continental philosophy and existentialism is because people were able to say like, just thinking about stuff doesn't actually necessarily bring us into direct contact with it. In fact, direct contact might be the thing that is the closest to the experience of aliveness that we have and that we actually put language on it after the fact. So we, we can sometimes think about this as like a pre-reflective state of consciousness that we're having an encounter with aliveness through our senses. Yeah. That's telling us what it means to be here and who we are. And then mm -hmm. after the fact, we put words on it. And yet yeah. the, the kind of the backwards thing for so many of us is we've become so disconnected from that, that direct contact that we think that the ex totality of our existence or the way that we orient to the world is through our mind. So it's almost mm -hmm. like, we think that having the recipe is the best and the closest we'll ever get to tasting that pasta. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, we're like, no, no, no. The recipe is there so that you can have this other experience. Yeah. And actually the whole reason the recipe exists is because that, that pasta was that good that someone wanted to write it down to recreate it. <laughs> but it's like the, the thing that we're trying to get at is the taste of the pasta, not just the ingredients list. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Josh, did you have a question? Yeah, I can. I mean, well. Are you guys in the same room together? Yeah, we, we are, are all yes, in the same right. room. I just saw you look over and it was like, what? Yeah. what? Are, we, are we angled the right direction now? Is that no. Not, not at all. Not the me. bottom two are angled it's in the right direction. It's kind of Brady Bunch when yeah. you look yes. at the grid. Uh, yeah. So, I, ha I mean, that was what you just described in the process of, of writing those books was um, my exact experience. I read the book when it, the, the Wisdom of the Body when it first came out, the Thank like you. the actual full one. And um, I, I was not ready to begin under like experiencing it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so intellectually it, ma it made a lot of sense. Um, 
but that was not <laughs> that really wasn't where I was with my therapist at the time to begin that process. <laughs> and and like since then, like having been able to, I mean, I integrate uh, some other traumas in such a way that I can begin to look at other things such as like body dysmorphia and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. beginning to see like in those those last few years being able to to look at that now to come back to it. But but in this format um, has been a, a, a very, very um important experience my my wife and i actually both have been reading this together um mm -hmm. the the practices one um and it's been like ha having the practices to go with it and i know that there were those kind of things like at the end of chapters and stuff but yeah. it just it, it did not i could read it and i was like this is a really good and important book it is like hitting a brick wall with me mm -hmm. when i read it back then and mm -hmm. then coming to it now still a, a thousand years off uh from like from where i want to be but like uh i i'm starting to see like oh here is some of what is oh, actually wow. being, being presented and oh, um yeah so it's it's so been cool. yeah it's very cool to come back to the same stuff years later now and experience it differently like ah yeah can i ask <laughs> like you said brick wall but i'm just so curious about how you knew like what happened inside of you that told you this is this is ahead of where i'm at or this is not where i'm going like did you feel something or did you notice like behavior you're like i don't want to pick the book up or <laughs> like there definitely was some reticence to to yeah. actually do the reading of um, course of course it was, it was different than when i've read other books where i was just like i'm just this isn't i'm i don't want to read this like i'm not enjoying it mm -hmm. or it doesn't feel applicable to me or or whatever um it, it was like this is I, I was reading it going i know that i'm supposed to be get like oh, i need yeah. what's in here and i'm supposed to getting something beginning something, but it is just blowing right past me right. not not intellectually not conceptually i can understand what is being said and yet like it is just it is just passing right yeah. Through me. yeah and it was weird to be aware of that happening while it was happening um, i'm so delighted that so, you could track that for yourself though that's like that to me feels like such an important data point that you were yeah. noticing i'm this is not where I'm at. Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm such a completist that I did finish reading it then, even <laughs> though I wasn't ready. And so like, it was like a slog to get through, not because it was you know, poorly written or too thick or anything. It was just simply not, I wasn't able to receive yeah. it at the time. It was really, it was a really weird experience. Probably the first time I can really say like, that is something that I've experienced in that way. Wow. Well, this goes back to where we started, I think, with what you prompted, Michael, and looking at like, why, why come back to this? Well, because we're on a trajectory that has temporality to it. Like we've, mm -hmm. our bodies exist in space and time and our bodies accumulate information and have new experiences. And, and over time, you might find that something that didn't land a while ago lands now or something that was abrasive or grating mm -hmm. or in a way like a misattuned, inaccurately matched to where you're at now you come back to it and go, oh, it feels different to be in my skin. Like something has happened over the time between when I picked that up and now. Mm -hmm. And I can feel the difference because my body doesn't feel like I'm slamming into a brick wall. Maybe it's like, you know, a chain link fence and I can stick my <laughs> hand through it and <laughs> yeah. put a flower on the other side and pull it back across. But I'm still over here, right? You can notice <laughs> the differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, early in the book, you you talk about uh, your posture during mm -hmm. your own personal therapy sessions um, oh, yeah. and how yeah. it changed over the course of time. Can you talk about that yeah. and then the interconnectedness of the body and mind just to give a overarching view of what 
embodiment is? Oh, yes. I was hoping you would ask. This is like the <laughs> tee me up question. Webster's Dictionary says. <laughs> well. I asked um, Chat yeah. GPT. And they said. <laughs> yeah, that's the. I think that this pivotal moment for the rest of my life will stand out to me because it feels like a moment where I got a ton of real, real estate back, mm -hmm. right? Like I got, I got something that was rightfully mine, but I didn't know how to be in relationship with it. I didn't know that I, that it was mine, that it was me. There's, I, maybe I'll back up and I'll tell the story. I was in my therapist office and there had been this moment where I'd come back, I'd actually come back from a trip and I'd had these experiences and I was talking about the experiences. And this is a therapist I was seeing for eating disorder recovery. And it felt like we were making a ton of progress because up until this point in my life, I probably wouldn't have been able to go on a trip like I went on and have the experiences that I went on because the eating disorder had such control over the choices I was making that, that to free myself from the constraints and the rigidity I was living within wouldn't have been a possibility. So I could tell that things were already shifting because it was like I was getting access to more, more terrain of existence and experience. But I, I came back from this trip and she paused me and she goes, do you notice how you're sitting in your chair right now? Do you notice what's happening in your body? It was almost like she interrupted this really interesting story that I had to tell. And I was like pretty pissed about it because I thought it was like a really, I had some insightful analysis as many of us do when we go to therapy. <laughs> some great like, stuff no, no, no. to say. Let me tell you, I'm going to show you. I figured this out. <laughs> Meanwhile, the therapist is like, oh, honey, right. There's a whole other thing that's going on here that you're not even seeing. <laughs> but she asked me to check in with what my body was doing. And and the the prompt really led to like, well, do you know how you've been sitting in your chair the whole time? Like, can I show you how you used to sit when you've been here, when you when we started together? And as I kind of looked down, I remember thinking like, oh, I can feel my body in the chair and I can feel my arms spread out and kind of in, you know, on the armrests and I can notice what my legs are doing. And as she showed me what my body used to look like when I came into session, she, you know, she pulled her legs in, contorted herself and got all scrunched up in the chair. And it was like, by contrast, I could see what her body was doing and what my body was doing and see what had changed over time. And it was really a moment for me of realizing well, my body has been telling the story of what it's been like to be me. Like that's what it used to be mm. like all curled up, constrained, tight, restricted, like making myself as small as possible, as invisible as possible. And in contrast to that, here I am. Wow. I can actually take up the space allotted to me in this chair. Like I'm not hiding my body. I'm not hiding what's happening here. And this was really like when I think about a moment where I got embodiment, like mm -hmm. I always come back to that moment. Not that you can, you can really fully get something like, um, again, embody, embodiment is something that exists over time. Like I will continually be getting embodiment as I get new slices of life. But for me, it was like this first moment of going, oh, my body isn't a problem. My body's telling a story. The story is worth listening to story is changing. And actually there's something to pay attention to with that, how the story is changing. And, and so when we look at the operational definition of embodiment, there isn't like one specific definition that is used 
exclusively. But what we see in the literature, the research literature, the definition that I really like to borrow from comes from a mix of Merleau-Ponty and Neva Paran. These are scholars who studied embodiment and researched embodiment from a philosophical, psychological lens. Merleau-Ponty was in the 50s. Neva Paran is still living today, and she's a Canadian scholar. But what the way that I pull those definitions together is to say embodiment is the lived experience of being a body as that is shaped by the world around us, by the social context around us. So what does it feel like to be me? Not just what do I think about my image, but like what does it actually feel like to be me in my body? How connected to my body am I? How at ease am I in my body? Do I notice the cues that my body gives me? Do I actually believe that I am my body as opposed to my body being a thing that my mind carries around or yeah. a thing that carries around my mind? <laughs> but then there's the other piece of it, which is the body is constantly in a dialectic with culture. Like bodies don't exist mm -hmm. on uh, desert islands where nobody's around. And in fact, that would also shape what it would be like to be a body, right? You, I, yeah. I watched Castaway not that long ago. Oh, and like, it's such a good film. So good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> I just Soundtrack's amazing. Time. Oh, I'll have to go back and listen no, to it. There's, okay. There's no sound. There's no music. Oh, <laughs> no. I was like, you movies like, work for I you Okay. <laughs> but this, like, even him, right? He's on this island. And the fact that nobody's around is shaping the way he moves and makes sound and feeds himself and tends yeah. to his body. Like mm -hmm. the absence of people is also in a way a, a kind of discourse. So the idea is that our bodies are, yes, our own, but are also this like interaction between mm -hmm. what we're constantly told about like who to be and how you're mm -hmm. lovable and how you're safe and what gives you power and how you get your needs met. And so even like when we start to look at embodiment, the boundaries between like me and we can start to blur a little bit. Like, yeah, this is my experience. And if you were to poke my arm, right? That I would be the one who would be feeling that. But, but actually the whole reason that I experience the world that I do is often because of what I've been allowed to be in contact with, what's mm -hmm. had to go away, what's been good. Like, so we're constantly negotiating connection and power and needs and safety and all of that as all of that is accumulated inside of us. That's what we would call embodiment. Um, that, that the idea of, of embodiment and inheritance of embodiment really mm -hmm. hit me huge um and so i what i the question is going to be you know can you talk about embodiment and how it can both be forgotten and remembered and how we inherit it um the, the uh. thing that really struck a chord with me was um i i'm not super close with a lot of my extended family mm -hmm. um particularly blood related extended family and so there is a lot of um not knowing a sadness that i actually don't think i realized i had kind of buried in there um regarding my physical shape until I was reading this and this, uh. con this concept of like, or the idea that I don't know who I look like. Like, I, I don't mm. know my dad, my birth father passed away when I was seven. And, and I know like, I'm still close to my mom, but like, I don't look a lot like her physically. Um, and it was, I, there was a thing that had always really been weird to me growing up that my, my adoptive father, um, that like, <laughs> people would say that they didn't know that he like that I wasn't his you know his blood child because they were like oh yeah you two seem similar and like how good that felt because I re and I never knew why that like felt weird and good at the same time oh, yeah. and there's this lack of inheritance and so what I, I want to hear is like how, how does our embodiment um how can we in how do we inherit that and how do we remember one when we've forgotten that yeah I'm gonna do a real therapist 
thing here. I, I That's what he was I wanting. Was, no, no, I promised I wasn't going to become all during office hours, Josh. God. No, and and not not like advice give or whatever we construe as therapy, but just like I'm going to come back to your question in a second after I talk about the thing that I I really want to talk about okay. in this moment connected to your story. But I just heard I heard you in a way that showed me you were engaging with the material. Yeah. Like sh I felt in my body the contrast between what you described around that brick wall. Like even these, the accessing of the question about mm -hmm. what is, what does my body connect me to? Who do I look like? Like I know where that question is in the book. And I felt myself have this kind of like, oh, whoa, like look at how different this is for you now. So much has happened between when you read the last book and now. And I felt a kind of awe about that. And I just wanted yeah. to reflect that back to you. And also, I think the other reaction that I had in that was there's like, there's so much pain in that story. Like, no wonder that brick wall was there mm -hmm. because it does something for us, right? It gets, it protects us from having to access what's on the other side of it. And if what's on the other side of it is like, where do I belong? Who am I like? Mm -hmm. What am I, who am I part of? Where do I fit in this whole story? Like those can be really big, scary questions to ask that come with a lot of feeling and intensity and memory and grief and anger and aloneness. And, and so I want to say, even before I get to your question, like I'm so appreciative of the brick wall and how it helped keep those things at bay until you felt like you could look at them. Yeah. I guess I had like, to be thankful of it. So <laughs> thank you. Right. <laughs> Well, I think like it's such an important component of all of this work because like the the one thing that often feels sad for me when I come into spaces and am known as this person who talks about embodiment is that sometimes people feel like um, insecure of or ashamed of the way that they're disconnected from their body as if the thing that I want all the time is that everybody's totally ultimately connected to everything they feel and they <laughs> act on every impulse and that they meet every physical need and it doesn't matter what it costs them or anyone else or you know but I think what what I have come to appreciate more and more in the literature like in being steeped in the literature about embodiment and also in my own journey and doing the work that I do with people is there are some very, very good reasons why we are disembodied, like profoundly good to the point that I would say, like, I feel very glad that that is an option for us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we should have shame in that experience. Not that I can control that for any of you or for anyone listening, but I just really want to emphasize like how useful disembodiment is mm -hmm. and not just useful, sometimes like how necessary for our survival to not feel what's inside when there's no other options with what to do with it. Like, thank God or goddess or thank body or I don't know, whatever we want to say to that. Like, I'm so thankful that, that that's an option that exists. Hmm. And it can really shift something inside of us when we are thankful for that too. Like recognizing the, dis the bifurcation as having come from something. Hmm. And this like, this gets to your question, which is like, how do we, forget our embodiment and how do we then remember it? And I think like, I want to make a statement that we all come into the world with varying levels of access to our body. Like neuro, I know that neurodivergence can often complicate or enhance a connection to our body at times. But when we think about the broad spectrum of being human, like embodiment is actually the way that we come into the world. Right? We don't learn through language. We learn by sticking mom's keys in our mouth and being like, oh, that takes, tastes metallic. Or we learn by like knocking the cup over 
and the milk goes everywhere and going like, oh, that felt fun. I want to do that again, right? <laughs> like we have these direct experiences of life that create sensation, that create emotion, that create connection. And then some things happen, right? We encounter maybe some feedback. We knock the cup over and it felt really good. And we see this intense look in someone's eyes. Like, don't you dare do that again. You're a bad kid. You better go away, right? And that also makes us feel something inside. And maybe that thing that we feel inside is like, I don't want to feel that again. So I liked the cup, knocking over the cup, but I didn't like what happened when I did that. So, right, sometimes the nervous system learns it's dangerous to listen to what you like. It's going to cost you connection. And so we learn over time through little experiences or big experiences, put it away because it's going to hurt you or it's going to hurt someone you love or it's going to cost you. And then what are you going to do about that? Because if you threaten the relationship with the person who helps you deal with big, sad, scary feelings, and all of a sudden they're not, they're out of the picture because they're overwhelmed because of what you've done, then you're really screwed. Oh, right? So we have these like, <laughs> yeah, we have these little experiences of like, oh, that felt good. Oh, don't do that. Oh, okay. I guess I won't pay attention to that feeling anymore. Right. And that that's an, a tiny little illustration of what happens on a big scale when you also are met with right, s media saturated with imagery of what an ideal body looks like. And you're looking at those pictures and your, your body is thinking, wait a second, like, that's not how I look. And that's, what's being held up as what's ideal or someone comments on your body or you have an experience of like, I can't do that thing that I want to do because of my body. And, and naturally maybe we feel sadness or distress or grief about that. And we don't really know again, what to do with those big feelings. And so I think over time there are these micro ruptures in the relationship between, you know, the sensing self and the perceiving self, the sensing self kind of in the, and the mental cognitive self and they fracture a little bit. And then of course we can have like big incidences, like major traumas where all of a sudden our nervous system is flooded with sympathetic arousal, right? We would call this like the fight, flight, hot intensity stuff, right? Of like so much sensation, so much terror, so much overwhelm that there is a mechanism unconsciously that gets pulled. We call it the endogenous opioid response. And our brain is just like, I'm gonna wipe everything out and i'm going to stop the communication between mm. the thinking and the sensing just because mm. like if you stay with that it is going to end you yeah. right you better just make it all go away and not feel it and then maybe you have a chance of surviving and so that can happen like we can have these like micro tears where we're like oh what do i do like this felt really good but when i paid attention to what felt good it hurt that person or like it made me alone or i, I was sent away all the way to like Right, our body's actually just going totally numb mm. because we're having a trauma response. And I think at some point, I can see Michael. You're like, ah. no, ah. no, 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 you're good, you're <laughs> okay. good. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap this no, up. No, 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 you're good. I'm, I'm nothing if not long-winded about this stuff. No, I, think that I, I have three questions prepared. No, I'm kidding. Okay, no, yeah, no, <laughs> rebuttals. Well, and then I'm going to ask you for a <laughs> primer on polyvagal system theory. So you know, okay, just, you, you know, okay. I love we'll the phylogenetic hierarchy of stress response. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things to talk about. So I think that there's this like awareness at some point that that a split has happened and the awareness can come because like 
thank goodness again for other people giving us information. They say something like, oh, I felt so good to do that thing. And we hear like, huh, didn't feel like anything to me. Or, <laughs> you know, we have these experiences in relationship where our partner's like, I want you to want me. And you're like, I don't really want anything. I don't know. What? Uh, what do I do about that? Or like, or we have a reaction. We like explode at someone that we love. And all of a sudden we go, wait, wait a second. I don't even know where that reaction ca- came from. I didn't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. Or, right, there are any number of things. We notice downstream effects like, Oh, we're having relationship challenges and, you know, interpersonal conflict, or we feel disconnected from ourselves, or we're kind of depressed, or, you know, we, we can, aware, we're aware on some level, maybe I'm having flashbacks. I've had a traumatic event and I'm having flashbacks or, you know, I don't want to always just focus this through the lens of psychopathology, but at some point we're like, Hey, you know what? Life is pretty cool. I want to feel even more about what it is like to be alive. I want to actually like experience more of the beauty and the goodness in the world. So we have experiences of insight, which are kind of like, you know, we have these micro ruptures or these major ruptures and an awareness of, of the fact that they, that they disconnect is actually an embodied process. Like our ability to go, wait a second, I'm, I'm not feeling something I want to feel. Even our, we often say in, in trauma therapy, even to associate to our dissociation is an embodied act. Even to be aware of what we're not aware of is a kind of sensing and feeling. And so sometimes that's the that's the front door is I'm not feeling. And that there's something about that that's weird for me. And I think that the process of remembering is often like mending these tears, taking steps to to narrow the gap between thinking and sensing and we could do that intentionally, large steps, small steps over time. But yeah, I think it's a, yeah, maybe I'll leave it there. Get the book. <laughs> get, the, yeah. get, the, get both uh, the books. books. Get all the books. Get all the books and the ones that'll <laughs> come you. soon. And- thank you. Thank you. So I uh, am admittedly, when I read about embodiment, I'm always like, uh, that's not me. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but so I've actually, reading this book in preparation was really good. Two weeks ago, I hurt my back Mm -hmm. and I have a physical job Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, he's a stripper. It's (laughs) more power to you. A back, a back model. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, anyway, so I've been very aware of my body as Uh, of late, which I usually am not. I mean, I am a Enneagram nine. So my gut does tend to talk to me sometimes like, you know, Sometimes I stop and pay attention. Um, but uh, it was great because you I'm going to quote you to you. You say pain, <laughs> illness and injury can become invitations to listen to our bodily selves, something I never do. Admittedly, that's me to accept nurturance, to turn toward what hurts without ignoring what also feels good and to experiment with our interdependence. Nothing will teach us more about the limits of our self-sufficient values than being unable to do what we used to do easily. And I was just like, wow, that's like, I just view this thing as it's costing me money from work. It's, Mm -hmm. it hurts literally physically, (laughs) Um, you know, it's so inconvenient, but I have noticed some of the things and the practices here is like, well, can you identify a part of your body that doesn't hurt? And, you know, the things that are in there and I'm going, okay, so. I mean, yes, I want this to get better fast, and but 
I can, this is inviting me to listen to my body, to pay attention. Mm -hmm. I have to, if I stand for more than 10 seconds, I start to hurt. Wow. So I pay attention to how long I'm standing and how I can change my posture and I pay attention. And so it's really kind of forcing me because I can get the ideas and go, yeah, I mean, kind of like what you were talking about, Josh, like I can get the ideas and go, yeah, that totally makes sense. I get that. Mm. But this was kind of like crash course, you know, intro into you need to listen. You need yeah. and, wow. and just as you talked about in the chair, like pay attention to how you're sitting, pay attention to how you're yeah. standing. And yeah, it's been really, I mean, I won't say it's been great at all, <laughs> at all, <laughs> but it, I just, I like the reframing it as an invitation. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's just a, a helpful way to look at it because I can just be really frustrated and yes. stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for I don't adding know that. that. There's a question <laughs> there, but it was really helpful. Can I reflect? Testimony. On, yes, please. Yes, a, t- a testimony. Yes. <laughs> you go, make sure you drive that right to the Google review or whatever. Yes. You write about the <laughs> I think that there is, um, especially when we've lived, I would say, relatively able through mm-hmm. most of our lives, it's so easy to see pain as a wrench in the story of an ideal life. And of course, people who live with pain through most of their life will will see it differently. But I think that there's a really easy, easy hole to fall into when pain happens, especially again, when it's kind of novel or um, intermittent in our lives where we can see that it's proof of something wrong with our body. Yeah. And it really disrupts that whole narrative one, when we see it as an invitation, right, to care for ourselves now. But I think that the political agenda that you just mentioned there feels really important as well. Like it's a disruption of the story of who we should be and what we think life should look like. Mm-hmm. And we can ask ourselves, well, where did we inherit that story? Like, why am I having to work so hard? And why am I working so much? And why is housing so expensive? And why why are we actually like, why am I carrying the weight of my family and my family's family like on my shoulders when actually there should be connection and help between each other? And actually, if you know, if there was more social infrastructure to support us, it wouldn't feel so scary to take the time off to rest. But the reason it takes so scary to take the time off to rest is because there's all of these economic things and so, so, social things and you know, there's this pace that we have to live at and all the stuff we're supposed to have. And here I'm not speaking specifically about you, but I think pain disrupts that, right? And Mm -hmm. it says, lay the fuck down Mm -hmm. in a culture that is like, no, grind harder. Yeah. And it, it, at sometimes we can, we can feel the conflict internally about that because we've, we've been so used to those, the pace, like the breakneck pace, pardon the pun Mm -hmm. of, like what it's like to live in the culture that we're in. And pain is a kind of, I think, a prophetic voice in a way. Mm, and if we yeah. if we were able to see it as such, we might be able to ask ourselves, you know, what are you telling me? Mm-hmm. Instead of go away, I want to manage you. And I say that as someone who lives with chronic pain. And what I found is that in my relationship with pain, it feels like it's it's the thermometer for how I'm doing emotionally in a way that feels like way easier to be in, 
touch with at times than other ways that emotion speaks in my body. And so I can, I have now gotten to the point where when pain increases, it is almost like an immediate slowdown and stop. And I start to make room for like, okay, what am I not feeling inside? What have I not been able to say? What's going on in here? And to look at how my body is finding all sorts of creative ways to communicate the distress that's inside. And it's turned my pain from this thing that's like a scapegoat in a way into what feels to me like one of my greatest teachers. And it's now in addition to what, what do I feel inside? Okay. What, what's going on for me emotionally? What I'm not saying. Also, it has been like this gateway to compassion in a way that I, I was never able to access before, because if other people experience pain, my instinct is like, Oh, how do you like, what, what's happening for you? Can I tend to you? Can I nurture you? What do you need? Why don't you lay down? Let me get that for you. And my ability to actually like maybe put my hand on my spine and go like, Oh, sweetheart, you're, you're in so much pain. I just want you to know it's totally okay that you're giving me that information. I love you. You don't have to be quiet for me to love you, Spine, right? It's okay if you're screaming, right? It's okay if you're speaking up and you have something to say, right? That's also allowed here too. And I think it challenges for so many of us the story that, that we might've heard implicitly in our families growing up. Like if you're complaining, that's Mm -hmm. a problem. You need to go away. And I think we, we project that onto our bodies. If you complain, you better go to your room. Yeah. You better, you better quiet <laughs> <light> up. <laughs> go to your room, right? And and to be able to say to our bodies, like, no, like you're communicating something worth listening to. And in fact, I'm going to set down that other thing that seems to be so important to really be in relationship mm. with you is like a totally different way of relating to pain. You had you had specific affirmations in the book to specific body parts. Oh yeah. Or just, it was great. I I loved the different affirmations. Um, I I think, uh, I don't, I really have a a point to that. I just was thinking of it as you were talking about just the, the, the affirmations to the body. Um, it was, it was great. It was a good, good book, Hillary. (laughs) I have to say the professor in me is very pleased. I want to give all of you, you know, 10 out of 10 on completing your homework, doing your reading. It feels very, very good that you did all the reading. <laughs> we did all the reading. Did all the reading. Way to go. There's something about, um, I wish there was a better way to say this, but there's something about having done psychedelics that to me has it's made it, yes, it's on the list, has made it feel <laughs> like uh, I can see my body as a metaphor for all systems and all bodies and all kind of interconnection and vice yeah. versa. And so what's interesting is like it's made the body mythic, not in a way that takes me away from it, but almost mm-hmm. like, and I, I would argue that I think this might be what New Testament writers meant when they were talking about like the eyes got to do what the eyes got to do and the hands got to do what the hands got to do and everything's got to work together. Like, body parts are communicating something of significance about the story of being human. So even like for me, I, I engage in an, a, an exercise regularly where I'll go like, okay, what feels good? What am I noticing in my body? Oh, like my feet feel really good on the floor or, you know, what am I noticing? My knee is bouncing. Well, what's my knee doing? It's like getting ready to get me out of here. Cause I kind of want to get out of this conversation. It's giving me all sorts of energy in my leg to tell me like, you're getting ready to get out. If you, when you, as soon as you get up, you got all sorts of energy to get out. So just being able to like notice body parts as having like symbolic representation or communicating in that way, as if they're alive and dynamic Mm. and, and have a, have a voice to me has felt like such a rich, um, point of connection and contact 
with myself. And then also like a way to translate that to the world around me to look at how like, okay, I'm Hillary and I have this self-contained body, but I'm actually kind of like, I don't know, a nose hair on the earth. <laughs> like I'm one little piece of what's happening. And yeah. like, I, I'm a, a, like a piece of this whole contained organism that has all these different dynamics and I'm doing my thing, but actually there's something way bigger than me going on here. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that, that discussion, the whole, whole part of body is subject versus body is object. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a huge piece of the book and the, and kind of sets the stage for a lot of stuff that comes after. And, um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my, my questions and notes here without trying to get into the, where I become the therapy subject here. So yeah. let's get to one here. Um, all right, here, here we go. This is a question about it. Like, I feel like I am always evaluating internally and outwardly. Like, I feel like, I mean, Michael and I have had a lot of conversations about this and my, like, over-evaluation. And I, mm -hmm. I know that some of, like, the physical evaluation, some of that's from realize or kind of recently being uh, identified with body dysmorphia. That's, like, that's a separate thing. Then the internal, like, constantly evaluating my like running everything I do through a filter of like, did I have the right motives for that? Is this being like, did I do that the way, the right way? Are other people going to perceive it the right? It's just constant. So like, wow, yeah. I'm constantly doing that. And so to then try to talk to myself when I feel like I've, I've already got a good view of myself, which is, you know, an accurate view, which is, is not it. How can interoception help there? We're just going to go, that's the, I, I'm going to just fall <laughs> okay. apart to the end of the question. So, okay. How can interoception help? Yeah. Um, well, wow. It sounds like you're doing a lot of work inside. I'm just appreciating, <laughs> like there's a lot of effort going in to being you. And I feel like I just got to witness that. It's exhausting. Ask my yeah. It, it sounds like it. Right. And I'm just appreciating, like, I just got to, I felt like I just got to know something about your inner process in a way that had me like feel so tender towards you. Like you're working really hard to be in the world. I think so many of us are, but particularly when we have these like ruminative components where like, and all the filters that have to go things, go through things and people don't really know how much is happening inside for us to show up in the way that we are and how com complicated it can be. So thank you for letting us see that. Um, no problem. <laughs> Interoception, I could imagine, is like, let's cut out the middleman. Like, let's just get right to the thing, right? Instead of, okay, I'll come back to the recipe analogy. My partner is uh, nothing if not like really thorough. I'm married to an Enneagram 9. And so when we make, I'll use the pasta analogy, when we make pasta, like every pasta recipe on the, re on the internet has been read. And the yep. supreme recipe has been selected. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, just, just like open up a can and put it on the noodles. Like it's No, fine. we have to research right? that. It must be researched. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but it, like, it's, it's kind of like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to take the p potential of Googling all potential recipes away from you. And I'm just going to hand you something to eat. I'm just going to give you something right in front of you to have a direct experience with instead of like all the layers and the layers mm -hmm. and layers and layers. I actually had a psychedelic experience once where I saw my mind as um, like I, I saw direct experience as this thing that was right in front of me. And then I saw my mind step outside of it to analyze it. <laughs> and then I saw 
my mind step outside of that and analysis to analyze the analysis. And then I saw the analysis of the analysis of the analysis. And then I saw that go on into perpetuity and it became a slinky, <laughs> which never stopped. <laughs> I was oh, like, I love oh this. my gosh, that's, it never stops. Like it never gets me closer to what it's like to be me. And interoception is like this, you know, it's the inner experience of what's happening inside of us. We've got all sorts of other kind of sensory information that's coming to us all the time. We've got, in, you know, sensory information on our skin about temperature and, you know, pain. That would be nociception. We've got proprioception. We're looking at kind of like balance and how our body is positioned relative to gravity and, you know, our midline, our spine. But interoception would be like, what are the sensations that are coming from the inside of my body? And can I notice those and have direct contact with them? And so even like sensing of your own heart rate without ticking your pulse, right? that's a really key interoceptive exercise. Noticing the stretching of your stomach when you're full or that pang, that kind of like um, gritty, achy pulling sensation when you're hungry, it kind of like feels like your stomach's getting twisted. That's interoception, right? Even noticing muscle tension, Things like that from the, you know, noticing patterns of movement on the inside. I had this rush of energy when we were laughing a moment ago from that came from my belly up to my throat and it felt like it kind of like this wave of bubbling. Mm. So interoception, I think, doesn't necessarily treat those things, the layers of analysis, the layer, the slinky to mm. infinity. But what it does is let's say like, let's set the slinky down. And let's come back to what's actually right here because all of the analysis is usually trying to take us away from something. Like I don't actually have to feel how scared I am when I'm telling a story about my fear and that I'm analyzing the story. Is that the right story? And then I'm analyzing the analysis. Mm -hmm. There's another way I could look at that. I've gotten so far away from the thing that I was actually trying to man like manage in the first place, which might be my fear. So interoception will bring us back into direct contact with our inner experience. But interestingly enough, it can kind of like inoculate us from some of the stories that can make things more complicated. In fact, there's some really, really cool research that shows people who are able to do interoception tend to not be as preoccupied with image. Mm -hmm. And if that you think about it, it makes sense. You're like, well, I'm more concerned with living inside of the house instead of standing outside on the front lawn looking at all the peeling paint. You're like, I've actually just like spent a lot of time living and dancing in my living room and cooking in the kitchen and making love in the bed or a floor or whatever, wherever you like to <laughs> make love. But there's like this, I'm living in my house. I'm living inside of it and I'm paying attention. I know intimately where the light switches are and you know what the smell is like from the kitchen and where it gets the warmest, fastest in the summer. Like all of that means that we're actually existing inside of our home, inside of the home of our bodies, unless well, this is what my neighbor's house looks like. And I really need to do a paint job on that side of the, you know, the trim and all of the ways that we get outside of what's happening inside. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but we did get multiple requests and you've kind of mentioned it before. Uh, but we, our last guest that we had on the podcast, Kay Ben Avraham, mm -hmm. uh, asked if we could get you to talk about psychedelic assisted psychotherapy and what your thoughts are on it. What is that question? That is like, it's very it's most enormous question. I've it, ever it, it, it is. So, so she threw it out at the end she, of our talk. She, she just like, Hey, ask Hillary about this. Okay. So psychedelic, psychedelic uh, assisted psychotherapy, uh, in your thoughts. 
<laughs> I don't even know what the question is or how to answer. Could you be I, more I specific? Know. Like, I don't there know. Okay, you don't know. I'm texting um, her now, so I'll ask while we're. Uh, well, what is just your your general uh, psychedelic? in terms of your thoughts on that because obviously you have some experience sure. using psychedelics um if someone were to be interested in that what is a way that would be safe for them to do that right okay so i have experiences with psychedelics and i will use uh psychedelics in my practice right i work at a clinic where we have a physician involved and we have nurse practitioners and we have a whole team involved in making sure that this is safe for people so this is like a part of the world that i've i'm in and i've used psychedelics for my own trauma processing and healing i am not going to tell you that it's right for everybody i'm not going to give you some sort of like go out and try this You're and have a great it. time like i think that would be extremely naive unwise, irresponsible, unethical of me because these are like potent experiences. Yeah. It's kind of like I would never on a much, much, much larger scale, I would never say to somebody like go do EMDR without any training or like without any prep, without any resourcing, like go into the potentially most powerful experience of your life and don't prepare for it in any way or figure out if it's right for you or if you trust the person who's doing it, right? These are like really potent, powerful experiences. And, and they can bring up a lot from our unconscious into our conscious or what we would say in the psychedelic world from our primary consciousness into our secondary consciousness, you know, all the things that maybe we can continue with the house analogy. We've, we've tucked away in the basement and pretended wasn't there and kind of locked the doors, right? It, it's a powerful process that can allow us to access that and also help us access like what's in the attic and all of the deepest treasures of our experiences and our existence. But I would say that, um, yeah, there's a lot of information out there. I, don't, I guess I don't even like really, <laughs> but a lot of information out there about the kinds of people that we would absolutely say, stay away from this for. And then there's a lot of information out there about like, you know, hey, this is who this could be good for. And then what there's less information out there about is like, how do you find the right person to do this work with? Because in as the field is emerging and there's more and more conversations being had about, hey, this could be a really potent kind of medicine for these like really like high acuity mental health populations and presentations. We're not also giving people information about how to find the people who are doing that because so many of them are in the underground and it's very rare to have people doing it above ground in, in legal ways like I am. So I, I just think it's a really important thing that we're paying attention to in the research. It's a really cool avenue for treatment. It is not for everybody. I think there are enormous risks. I also think it can be profoundly transformative and that's why we keep exploring it in research and clinical work. Awesome. Did you get any clarification? No, she re responds slower than Lucas does. So okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> uh, wow. All right. So wow. Do yeah, you I have time, you out. time for a lightning round? I do always. <laughs> okay. Always. Um, I want to know, and I just thought of this. Okay. Uh -oh. are, are you, do you, do you uh, let your daughter watch TV? She has never seen TV. Oh, it's oh, so good. She's All almost right. three, and we asked her the other day what the TV is, and she said, fire? <laughs> because we, I think we did actually have, like, a fire on at Christmas. On oh, like a Yule log. Right? So she thought, it's fire. Wow. <laughs> Love it. All right. We'll see how long we can keep that going for. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask which which um, children's show you were watching, but that is, that is you're much better. You're a much better parent. Well, well she might be watching it. 
when kids are around. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Bluey yeah, is on the slide. For me. You're very into Bluey. <laughs> I've heard great things. All right. What what is the last album you listened to start to finish? Oh, um Can I look at my phone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I allowed to? This is not so yes. much. This is an open book test. Open. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> we have your book here. It's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Ashley Ball, Before All the Magic's Gone. Oh, I have never heard of that. Listen to the song Lavender. It will. It's so good. So good. She's a local musician from around where I live. Do you have a favorite comedian? Oh, can I, sorry, can I add another one? Because oh, I think yes, it's relevant. Yes. Um, there is a 20 year anniversary Switchfoot, the beautiful letdown. Oh my gosh. It's like Josh, all covers. I, Have you guys heard this? Josh just played it, uh, before the podcast started with soundcheck. He was doing the John Bellion one. Yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed. It's so great. Monica Martin, whew, her voice. I don't, can't remember what the song is, but anyway, that I've also listened to. Nice. Okay, what was your question? Do you have a favorite comedian? I really like um, Mike Birbiglia. Okay. Also Nate Bregazzi. And um, those are the two that are coming to mind right now. Yeah. Uh, What goes on a hot dog? I don't eat meat. Oh, so nothing. So, and I don't like veggie dogs because that's Mm. weird to me. True. I'm like, I don't want to eat meat, so I don't want to eat something that's trying to be meat but isn't it's very it's weird to me how do you feel about like um lab grown meat oh well this is the same thing like i've had some of those like the beyond burgers and some of the burgers that are like made to taste yeah. like meat or whatnot and it it just freaks me out i get yeah, into the- this kind of like weird mental thing where i'm like yeah. but is it is it not i don't know and then i'm not really enjoying the food anymore i'm like in my There's- I had about it. New lab grown uh, meat rice. Oh, yeah. They use rice as like the way to distribute the meat. It's high in protein, but it's like it's like pink. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, what is the best sitcom theme song? Oh. I kind of like the real bassy Seinfeld. That's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we? Was it you that just told us last week that it's a keyboard? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it really a keyboard? I had no idea. I mean, it's it's a bass sound, right? But on on a keyboard. keyboard. Okay, I appreciate the the steps you took to figure that out. You went on a deep dive, didn't you? Oh, you, oh okay, okay. I was just imagining you like sitting there late at night being like, what actually How went into creating this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six hours later. Deep diving <laughs> on deep it. Dive. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather have invisibility or super strength? How are you defining strength? Uh, oh, physical yeah. strength. Uh, maybe invisibility. Invisibility. Yeah, I would say. No, no follow-up just no, no follow-up great, great. It was just, okay. it's like a superhero question uh, isn't, isn't the invisibility just means you want to creep on people yeah i, I was know. like well i think i really like to prank people it's like a <laughs> it's a real i get so much pleasure from it <laughs> like sneak up and spook someone and i could be really good at that it would be it would i would really enjoy be pretty that. good at it what if, you're invisible. if you can talk about it what prank are you most proud of um, I, I was working in a summer camp and my brother was also there and I got the kitchen 
to save all of the, here we go, callback hot dogs from <laughs> the barbecue that evening. And there was three, 400 hot dogs. And they kept the hot dogs in these big bins of water so that they didn't dehydrate and they kept them in the fridge. And because uh, the the girls and the boys' cabins were separated, I was a camp counselor and so was my brother. Mm. Because they were separated, I got the kitchen to keep the hot dogs and then I got someone to take the hot dogs into his cabin and fill his bed with all the hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and they filled the whole bed with hot dogs and poured all of the water. Oh. So my brother, bless him, at the end of the night, like puts all the guys to bed, doing the thing, goes to climb into bed. And there's hundreds, hundreds of moist hot dogs. Cool, at this point, cool, moist hot dogs. And the mattress and the sleeping bag is soaked. And he immediately was like, Hillary. (laughs) So many people had been involved in this. It was like an entire operation. (laughs) Oh my God. I would not picture that all, all right <laughs> that's uh, fantastic we do have a, a few comments uh one is is from logan he says hillary trivia what ed sheeran song was number one in the u.s when you first appeared in february 22nd uh 2017 on this podcast oh my gosh i hope he's still watching because i have no idea what the answer oh, is oh i don't know it would it <laughs> I have no idea. I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I guess I Logan, don't. Logan, tell us. Um, I'm going to say perfect. Just that's the only one you know. <laughs> the, only, the only song we know. Does that um, feel like it's about seven years old? Eight years yeah. old? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, February 22nd. Does that mean that we're like... Almost. We're a year. Oh, oh my Yeah. Goodness. He says it is it. the shape of you. Oh. Mm, that's yes. that old, that song? Mm. Yeah, Thanks, apparently. Morgan. 2017. Um, one person commented, uh, says, Hi, Hills. Oh. Just wanted you to know that you helped save my life. So thank wow. you. So. Oh, I'm so glad to know that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know the details, but I imagine there's a story. And I'm really glad that you're here and you made it to be able to share that with me. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it up. Hillary, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the podcast. Where can people follow you online and and see yeah. all the things that you've got going oh, on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram, which is Hillary Leanna McBride. I've got Twitter and Hillary L. McBride, threads, all the things, right? All of the, there's so many of the places. Yeah. But um, my website, hillarylmcbride.com also is a, is a place you can find some things. I'm not promotion is not my strength i'm more of like a do the things i'll be there yeah Yeah, exactly so i'm not i like it's like a little bit of a mystery what's happening where am i going is there an event no just (laughs) pop up we need to know if we're gonna get just some tiktoks we need some front facing vids from hillary yeah just I did start us through the journey. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, I did start TikTok a little while ago, but the problem is like I don't I don't care enough to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want it. The people want it, Hillary. I know, I know, but I'm just like, oh, I'd rather be doing something else than yeah. like staring at my phone being like I editing a video where I look supernatural. Meanwhile, I'm like hunched in my chair, <laughs> like in a way that feels disconnected from myself. It's hard for me, but um there you go. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming on the podcast. Wow. Next time we'll be 10. Wow. 
10. I guess that, yeah, that's we how gotta, things go. We got to do it. The order of the numbers is such that a is, That is how. It does generally come yep, after yep. nine. Oh, so often. It'll be 9.5. There you Glad go. To be, <laughs> Glad to be part of your ninth worth, worst choice. <laughs> oh, you guys, I don't feel that way at all, at all. But I know that self-deprecating humor is a cornerstone of your of your material here. Yes, yes, that is the brand. Yeah. So good to be with you today. We'll see you for number 10. All right. Awesome. Sounds great. It's well, the painted time. Everyone had your what? Matching towels. <laughs> All right. I'll go first because wow. I've released. Go, go, go. Uh, hashtag Ricky Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hashtag a lot of effort goes into being you. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like that was <laughs> that is me, God. That is a the very most therapeutic line. Josh has never felt more that seen. Is the I'm going to use it for joy. <laughs> the most perceptive thing. A lot of anyone, really goes into the most perceptive yeah. thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> oh, a lot of effort. God. Uh, <laughs> no fucking joke. Hashtag racism is not nice. <laughs> Not nice. Not a fan of the racism. Um, hashtag Florida Man Games and hashtag Hands on Balls. <laughs> hands on the balls. Uh, hands on the balls. All right. Hashtag Living La Vida Vida. Um, <laughs> hashtag Ricky Chris Martin. Hashtag Middle 69. Uh, hashtag Hillary's Nine Bad Choices. Um, a nose hair on the earth. Uh, problematic skunks. Racism is not nice. <laughs> Noted hashtag noted hater. Um, <laughs> I'm gobbling here. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> I'm gobbling. I'm here. gobbling here. I'm gobbling here. <laughs> hashtag the butcher's back. Hashtag dead cats. Or wait, do dead cats bounce? And yep. last one. Speaking of hands on balls. <laughs> All right, I've got uh, Ricky I'm Chris gobbling. Martin. Middle 69, nose hair on earth, yeah. rutting for the nutting. <laughs> rutting for that nutting. Uh, hockey men. Hockey men. <laughs> the butcher is back and do dead cats bounce. <laughs> I, that's my favorite is do dead cats <laughs> do bounce. Dead cats bounce. Absolutely. We can do that. <laughs> All right. I'm gobbling here. I'm gobbling here. It's gobbling time. <laughs> I saw this TikTok this about the Incredible horse. Hawk, and it was like, what's so incredible about the Incredible Hawk? He just gets angry whenever he's mad. <laughs> like, whenever something upsets him, he, he lashes out in violence. Yeah. You know what would be incredible? If he learned to listen. If he learned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A lot of effort being me. I takes a lot of effort to for Josh goes to into exist. being you. <laughs> like pierced through the soul, man. She didn't know she was giving us ammunition. Oh my God. <laughs> I wish in our chat instead of emoji responses, we could just post a lot of effort goes into being you whenever Josh says something. Dude, uh, automatic response. <laughs> Leave day? No, two days. Oh, he's a day two early. days from now. Okay. <laughs> Leave day. That was a newsfeed article I didn't talk about. Was somebody is celebrating their 25th birthday on Leave Day? They're actually 100. Oh my god. Oh, nice. that's crazy. Coming. You know that is not the 
least common birthday out of all birthdays. What is really? it? Day before? I don't I don't know, but it's more Wait, common. Wait, you don't know what it is? It's more common than a Christmas birthday. Wow. It's more common than several days of the year. It's not the least, that's even though it only that's, happens a quarter of the yeah, time. Yeah, that's insane. Fucking A, man. Wow. Right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Adios. All right, this is music time. We're going to play some songs. Oh, sorry. Hey, Josh, uh, you got any songs you want to play? I guess I do. Yeah, some Bob Marley. What was that about? Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. That's Bob Marley. About the thing. All right. Got some Got some John Craigie here. Um, hey, really? From Phillips, Craigie, and Dean? Yeah. Why, did you? No. Oh, okay. I was just, that's my pre-podcast music. Oh, there you go. We, we, we just played it. Well, then, so. That's I, my sound check. Yeah. That's my sound check. It's no, it's no Dixie checks. <laughs> or the checks. I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah. So, my favorite song so far is called Viking Sex, but out of respect for Lucas and his, his uh, trials during January, we're going to play California Sober. Nice. So, the album's Pagan Church by John Craigie. The song is California Sober. <laughs> This is the guy that sounds like Stevie Dunn. Oh, good. I'm going to physical therapy. Craigie and Dean, guys. Let's see who that was. Lucas, uh, what, 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 what do you, no, you didn't pause. There we go. Here we go. Or pause, Josh. I thought I did. Look, I'm struggling. Yeah. Okay. Lukey? Uh, this band I uh, ran across called Dear Sunday, and it is not... It's not Christian? <laughs> no. It's gotta be Christian. And it's not, uh, somebody who takes the animal deer and makes a Sunday out of it. Which is what you would do. The butcher is that how they spelled it? No. It's Fucking butcher. As if they were addressing a letter to the day of the week. That's how it's spelled. Uh, anyway. Dear Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the song is called Never Again. That's, that's the start of Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dear Sunday. 
couple of Aussie dudes. The algorithm keeps feeding me Australian bands, and I don't mind it. I like it. G'day, Australia. Australia. Throw another prawn on the Bobby. What song is this? Never again. That was almost New Zealand. But the way you did that with uh, the... Uh, well, I've, I'm a master of many dialects, so... It was the... Um, what is that band? What's the band from New, New Zealand? I don't Fly know. the Concords. Oh. You had that you had that rhythm. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, good good vibes coming from the boys in Deer Sunday. All your mother uckas. I go with my Uh okay. I'm gonna do uh, I, I think I hinted at it last week, uh, a song about a cult. So we're gonna play it this week. Um, this is Cult by <laughs> Candy Carpenter. Karen's daughter? Yes. Is this, this a red hot chili peppers? <laughs> it is. I must have been like a boat back at home. Yeah. Pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so it's pretty catchy. So yeah. Yeah. Candy Carpenter cult. Giving shout outs to REM all yeah. the yeah. Man on the Moon. Yes, you are? Oh Matt, did you want to go? Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. No, that's not Alright, this is uh Declan McKenna and it's called I Write the News. I am the news. So I'm gonna switch to another song real quick because it's there's a lot of range on this album. Yeah. It's like a very. Um, Are you doing a twofer? Tosh is doing a twofer. I only got thirty seconds into that one. His voice reminds me of Harry Styles, but it's a little bit more of what I would listen to than Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this earlier. This drink is really fucking great. Yeah. Good, good. So earlier when we describe it, hopefully there's still some left. But I doubt it. Oh, there won't be. <laughs> Not by then. Bye. 
Yeah. That one was called Range. That one was called Mulholland's Dinner and Wine. It's very. He's got just kind of a cool, laid-back British feel to it. Some of it's really, you know, uh, electric like that. Some of it's real acoustic and weird. Yeah. It's fun. Excellent. Nice. Well, staying across the pond, uh, I was revisiting a band I used to listen to a lot, and have not listened to in probably well over a decade. A band called Athlete. Did you guys ever? I've heard of them. I don't. I never really got into them. They were kind of in that era, like when Coldplay was still good and uh, Keen, and like kind of mm-hmm. like keyboard-driven oh, yeah. rock. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just. I just went through listening to a bunch of their stuff again. It's like, ah, they're so good. They should, I think they had like some number ones in the UK, but just didn't really catch on here. So, um, anyway, this is a song called Modern Mafia. That's it. Nice. They were like that era when bands were like starting to incorporate like digital sounds, mm-hmm. yeah. but we're still using like real drums, like yeah. Guster yeah. and some. Of, I love that stuff, man. It's good shit. Yeah. And then I stopped developing with music. I like. <laughs> and then ago. I gave up. I like how how you said back when Coldplay was good, and we all go, "Oh yeah, I know when that was." <laughs> those, <laughs> there was a clear times. demarcation. Yeah, X and Y. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, that was a good album, but that was Living La Vida Vida. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Living La Vida Vida. Ricky Chris Martin. Yep. (laughs) That's good. Oh shit! Uh, Better better document that. that. (laughs) Hashtags. Got both of them on there. We're good. (laughs) Uh, What was I doing? We're doing a podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. As far as I know. Um. So, hmm, I had one planned out, and then I heard a song literally while, while I was in the shower, and I was like, i got to play this song. Um, but I'm already prepared for the other one, so maybe we'll do three. <laughs> we got time. Um, let's do, uh, I have a note for when I'm supposed to uh, start this song, because it's the second verse I want you to hear. <laughs> um, so let's, I'm going to mute it first. Sorry, I should have been prepared. Yeah. Um, but, but here we are. Um, um, this is weird. riveting, R- riveting content. So, uh, so, uh, oh, did you find it? Yeah, I found it. Uh, okay, so this is uh, PD, don't tell the boys. Uh, yeah, sweet PD.
Shooting guns. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to play the other one, too, because fuck it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is... I'm going to play the whole thing of this. It's EXBF. Uh, the song is Life is a Beautiful Gift from Above. So, here we go. Song. Nice. I like so that. short and sweet. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I found some. Uh, we got gas lit. Don't. If we're a little time here. Yeah, yeah. I found uh, my file of digital recordings of the Citrus Taco. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. So this is a uh, practice of humility. Uh, but I was. You like, heard all my recordings from high <laughs> school. <laughs> I know. Like fun. we can do a segment like Michael's old yeah. song. So. Um, and the quality is really crappy, so we'll just see. But this is a song we did called Rules of Golf. With my uh, watching machine in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is my best friend growing up, Nate, singing. We traded off like John and Paul. Just like John and Paul. Yeah. How did you record this? Uh, Four-track recorder. Nice. Tape. I think this was actually, we I did reel to reel. I think it was actually through a Folger scan, though. Kind of. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I gotta get to... Uh, this is the, uh, you Ooh, know, it nice. was the 90s. You had to do something different in the middle of the song All right. to show you were cool. That's me playing the trumpet. <laughs> I would say it was intentionally bad. It was supposed to be funny. And it's funny. <laughs> Verdict? Love it. So, uh. Is that Duke Silver? <laughs> exactly. Maybe cold outside. And then, and then it goes back into the song. Jazz. So, you know, there, that's, that's enough. Nice. But I, I do have these files now, so. We're ready. When we need when we need to laugh at Lucas. Talk about the good old days. Oh, yeah. Josh, do you have any files of you singing? I've got nothing of me singing. Thank really? God. Oh, man. No. You called yourself a worship pastor. How dare you? Florida Man song and Matt's yeah, Balls. Yeah, you've got plenty of songs. We can play Matt's Balls. I mean, he's not here yeah. to defend himself. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't have that song. You don't have it on there? Oh, yeah. He's lucky. <laughs> he's lucky. <laughs> Computer, computer's <laughs> off. So, 
Um, I just thought, what if I didn't plug in the soundboard? I did. I'm pretty... be hilarious. No, I sure didn't, guys. This whole fucking segment, I've been doing it without the the fucking uh, sound. Shit. Wait, what does that mean? Like, which part was not... All, All of this of has this been... This is a blank recording? Yeah, No, it's recording. It's just, it can't hear any of the music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes. You're just going to have to go to Spotify and look up the You won't taco. believe this. Shit. Oh my god. All right, pause. <laughs> <laughs>